Hey guys, Dan Tom here. Just a quick warning uh, and apology before the show gets started. Everything is perfectly audible and it's more than well worth listening to. This is a great card and uh, there are some great tidbits given uh, by both of us and I appreciate my guest time. Unfortunately, uh, there is some static audio uh, when it transfers from his audio and then briefly to mine. Uh, but uh, I'm actually pretty clear for the most part. Uh, I just wanted to apologize to everybody, including my guest. Um, just been, again, crazy week. Got a lot of stuff personally, trying to get ready for a fight, much less cover this stuff. Just insane, yada, yada, And, uh, of course, um, I overbooked myself. Despite my best efforts and multiple po pinning of posts and telling people that I am taking a bit of a hi hiatus, uh, come the pay-per-view weeks and these big weeks, everybody wants your boy on their program. So I was doing... Uh, some someone else's program and which ran me right up to my show and then I had to jump straight over which of course I didn't mute myself this time but there's just so much to check and I'm the one man producer and, and ugh, ugh, I hate when this stuff happens it's on me on me I apologize well worth listening to and uh, giving that respect uh, to my uh, guests who give some great stuff so thank you guys apologies and enjoy the show the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 280 Breakdown with special guest co-host Sniper MMA. It was a fun one, but a long one, folks, so strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts you could find over at MMA Junkie, as well as some work on the ActionNetwork.com. But on this here program and on this channel, thank you for liking and subscribing below. The Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight because it's going to be a slightly early start time for UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi, and as per usual with the pay-per-views, I always have a guest for at least a recap or a breakdown, if not both last time, and uh, it's, you know, people fr uh, from the betting community, uh, you know, I've had coaches, and now I want to touch on, you know, uh, someone w that's, A, who awesome, and you're going to love here in a second, but it's an area that he specializes in that I admittedly have been bad about, that's right, folks. That's fantasy MMA. So uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna be breaking down some NCAA wrestling qualifiers, uh, and you know, so I want to make sure I bring on a seven-time DraftKings DK qualifier. That's my man Sean. You might know him at Sniper underscore MMA. That's the handle you see below. Make sure you follow him there. What's up, Sean? Thanks for joining me, bud. Thanks for having me, man. Especially thanks to getting more of the fantasy content, DraftKings, FanDuel, some more representation in kind of the mainstream MMA media. Now, DraftKings UFC sponsor, got a bump now. We got to get all you media guys to, to get on board and play some DraftKings with us. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. You got a great, like, community and family there. Uh, you got a shout, of course, uh, you know, from my guy, uh, who, uh, you know, I'll parlay a shout onto a shout. My guy, Kyle Marley, at Big Marley. Of course, I was on his channel chopping up some fights with him. And you guys, you you fantasy players, uh, you know, DFS Army, uh, all the clicks uh, 
however you want to put it. You guys got a, a nice tight knit group over there, and uh, man, uh, all my interactions have been have been good with you. You get respect amongst your peers, so I appreciate you coming on to my show to kind of help us get through this breakdown today. Yeah, it should it should be a lot of fun, and I guess I guess I'll do my uh, quick plug here for all my plays, breakdowns, all that stuff. My stuff now is at mmaplay365.com. Uh, Newsom over there does a great job in the betting stuff. I take care of the DFS, so make sure you subscribe to both packages. But I guess for right now, mine we do five dollars an event, ten dollars a month, cheap, and we get you set up with. You want to attack those big money tournaments? You want to play some cash games? We got strategies for all that stuff. I got some other guys doing rankings with me, kind of in the DFS community. I got um, RBQs and and Magic Mike DFS, who, and some of your fantasy players might know them. We all kind of come uh, together and. Know, give us rankings, breakdowns, all that good stuff, and we're gonna—I'll I'll try and sprinkle in some of it here. I don't want to go too fantasy crazy because it is a nice change of pace for me. But I'm gonna—I I will definitely sprinkle it in along the way. Well, no pressure, and and fair warning, I may—I uh, may throw some questions uh, uh, along the way because again, it—it—I'm it, 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 curious, and I feel like that's the best kind of way for the audience to sometimes know too, because a, a lot of them, I imagine. Um, either haven't played or maybe they played like myself but haven't played in a while or their understanding is uh what's a polite word novice or what's a polite you get what i'm trying to say there you know we could yeah, use a little novice more beginner yeah yeah novice beginner and, and I'll, I'll even go i'll go one step further i gotta shout out my guys at verdict who are putting a little bit of a different game out there it's brand new i'm i'm playing it this week it's really it's drafting is more salary based and verdict is really just pick some fights pick what do you think is going to happen? Decision, method of victory, and around if um, you're on picking a stoppage. And they have a whole formula that I don't understand, but it assigns points, and most points win. So you got kind of both ways out there. I think that's going to get really popular. Uh, it's kind of like a bridge into DraftKings when you start dealing with all the salary stuff. Absolutely. And if there's any games or particular games you want to recommend, whether it's stuff you're playing yourself or you just you know uh, recommend for people at certain levels, free feel free to shout those out uh, for you normal. Uh, people, you know, normal gamble talk people or whatever uh, for this podcast, what, what what is deemed as normal. Don't worry, you're going to get that too. And of course, as uh, speaking of normal and formats, our normal format is still in place. First, before we get to UFC 280, check the timestamps if you're listening to this in the future, 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 and you want to jump ahead, you can always check those show notes, which are uh, down below uh, if you're listening uh, or the audio version here on YouTube. That's, uh, of course, Daniel Tom MMA. Uh, like and subscribe below or Apple Podcasts, of course. The five-star ratings and reviews are appreciated for the Protect Your Neck podcast. There's always show notes where I timestamp there as well, at least for when we start from top to bottom. Um, I know it gets crazy with the chat. Uh, here we go. Uh, I'm going to be sharing out a link here, and then we're actually going to get going. And uh, I'm seeing the excited for us to be breaking down this card. Well, uh, I appreciate that. I know I'm excited. Uh, got my guy Alvin Yakatori in the chat. Um, I'm going to be putting you guys up properly. Again, just forgive me, kind of doing double producing duties. But as we get into UFC Vegas uh, 62, let me ask you, Sean, what, what did you think about the card? We're going to talk about the fights in not too long, but uh, was, this a, was this a card that was even on your radar? I know it got a lot of flack going in as far as this looks like one you could miss. Um, with your grind, obviously, you don't really miss these. What did you think of the card? I think this is 
Whenever people give cards flag leading into it, I usually get excited because they tend to be the cards that, that deliver. It's kind of that, that stereotype that it's been around and it seems to happen time and time again. We'll, we'll go through the fights, but there were plenty of big finishes, plenty of really fun fights, I thought. The main event I had question marks with in terms of being the main event, but with the fight cancellation, I mean, the fight we all wanted to be the main event, thank God that wasn't. That could have been a whole lot of... Issue. So I, I like these type of cards. I, I think the prelims, I do think the prelims were a little underwhelming, but I did enjoy the main card. Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree with that. You're right, man. The, the card we were looking forward to most, of course, uh, the fight we were looking forward to most, of course, uh, my guy Sean was referring to is uh, Askar Askarov versus um, Brandon Royval. I didn't feel too confident in that one. Did you have a lean on that one? Not that it matters now, of course, but I I actually favored Askarov just because. And I'll, I'll mention here, when somebody's only path to victory I feel like is a submission, I get really sketched out in those fights. For what, like, when I feel like you need a submission to win, I, I just, I, I'm usually not going to, to lean your way. And then I was actually, you know, Brian Royval, one of, those, one of those guys who's active on Twitter, he was then saying, okay, well, I'm the number three guy now. Let me get, you know, let me give, let me get my rematch against Pantoja. And I was like, why do you get yours when Kaikara French should probably get his against you? That makes it more... At this point, I know I'm going off the Pantoja. You need to just wait. Don't go Joanne Wood on me. Just wait. Just wait. And then I, I, I want to see Kaikara France and uh, Brandon Royval. I guess it's two, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I think I, I begrudgingly picked um, Askarov there to win because I, I do love uh, Royval style, but, you know, got to break these down. You know, as uh, unbiasedly as I can. So uh, the quick recap is we went in this program. As far as when I say we, we went ten and one overall in picks, one and zero in straight plays, three and zero in props, zero and one in a round flyer, three out of four in round robin, which still produces profit. So we're fine with that. And of course, three out of four is just short of the long shot parlay, uh, which I parlay all four of those round robin selections, which is kind of how I do it. Um, so, of course, that went 0 for 1 because we missed just one, which we'll talk about. Very, very close. Uh, definitely not going to cry over spilt milk, though. It was a winning night, and in this game, uh, you can have all your ducks in a row and still uh, lose your ass off, right? So, <laughs> believe me, I'm not I'm not complaining yep. here, but uh, we, 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 we will uh, uh, recap the action as it is posted. Uh, at Dan Tom MMA, of course, is my underscore, so what you're looking at. Uh, at sniper underscore MMA. That's our Twitter handles. That's uh, I don't know if that's where Sean's most active. It's where I'm most active. So feel free to follow us there as well, folks. Um, all right. So from the top, we had of course Alexa Grasso defeated Viviani Araujo. Um, I don't blame anybody who took underdog shots here on the on on the dog WMMA dogs. Feel like they've been a thing. So far be it from for uh, uh, so far be it from me um, to have hindsight 2020. But I did have Grasso and Grasso by decision, which helped. Uh, the winning night, so I'll, I definitely will take it. Um, I was biased, but uh, I, I had probably the more unfavorable scorecard to some, 50-45, but I say that knowing very well that at least two of those rounds could have easily been scored for Ujo, and I would have no issue for that. This is just what I particularly saw. Of course, the judges, they have different views than us. They see different things. Um, it wasn't the most exciting fight. But uh, regardless on nitpicking the scorecard, I feel like they got the winner right. Uh, Any any thoughts on that one, Sean? Yeah, I mean, they definitely got, as somebody who did pick Arujo, they got the winner right. Grasso won the fight. I was screaming at at Arujo to get more active with the grappling early. And it was a clear case of gas tank conservation. I thought 
The way I picked the fight, I did have a clo close... Uh, leading into it, I thought it would be 48-47 Arujo with Grasso taking over down the uh, stretch and me having to sweat one out. But she conserved and played a little too safe. Um, something you have to work on, Brock. So, you know, we know how good she is. It wasn't a knock on her, just thought the line was a little wide, and I could I could argue, I, I think I was right, even despite the scorecard, it was a very close fight, I think, um, they both had things to improve on, clearly, but it was fun, and they clearly got the winner right. Yeah, yeah, and again, don't blame anybody who thought those dogs were barking. Shouts to Chronic Combat Conversations in the chat, here for some dessert, UFC 280 has some dogs barking. I agree. I'm going to see if my guy, uh, Sean, Sniper MMA, agrees with me. But, uh, you know, we're going to finish pushing through that card. And when they say dessert, uh, that's a that's kind of a reference for this year's program. As some programs are my dessert where, uh, you know, especially if it's a breakdown show, I try to keep my filter clean, right, as clean as possible. Um, I've seen some takes, uh, but I, I, it's nothing I try to pick up as far as, like, consciously going out for so uh, i appreciate being a part of someone else's dessert list that's an ultimate compliment thank you guys there next fight jonathan martinez defeated cub swanson um i love cub swanson so this hurt this would have been a fight i almost you know wouldn't have mind being wrong on you know which uh, i have plenty of those i have no problem in that um but uh, i will say this was also a fight where, where the analysis uh, paid off there you know again i i always say stats don't tell the story of the fight and i keep that same energy even with my hipster southpaw-esque stats right uh, you got Cub Swanson, who is three and zero against you know in the UFC against Southpaws, three and one overall in his career. Uh, but it's tricky because fighters who weren't dedicated Southpaws messed him up when switching to a Southpaw stance, like Chikatsi and Holloway. And I saw, and looking at Swanson's style, I said his dipping and his propensity to dip and dart to his right is really bad against a Southpaw power kicker who throws knees and obviously the power shots to the side he's darting into. And we kind of saw that. Um, I also took a flyer on Martinez round one, which was uh, the uh, which which was the one round flyer that didn't that didn't hit. And I'm not gonna cry over spilt milk on this one. It was like you know, uh, but it definitely could have been stopped. Not just for my bet, but because then we had to see Cub Swanson just get dismantled from his legs up or his head down, however you want to put it. Of course, my guy Herb Dean there. You guys know that I'm always on the right side of his stoppages. Um, but I'm not going to complain. We, 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 uh, you know, we got the Martinez, uh, fight doesn't go the distance. That's what we were on. And we ended up cashing that. Do you have any thoughts going in or out of this one, Sean? People, people have given Herb a hard time about this. I actually think, think Herb got it right. And I am usually first to jump all over Herb. Like I, I have my issues, but I thought it was, Brown was close enough. It's not like Cub was, was out, out. He was hurt. Mm. You know, the referee hears the 10-second clapper. I think if he had that happens five seconds before, he stops it. But he hears the clapper. He knows it's coming, right or wrong. I was fine with it. And then people, you know, Cub gets his leg kicked out, and, and Martinez gets a couple shots off. And why didn't Herb stop it? Well, guys roll their back and defend after being knocked down all the time. I think Herb was fine here. My ultimate takeaway was if you're ever around Jonathan Martinez or teammate Chris Gutierrez, just put on some, some leg pads and run because those are scary. There are two of them. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I will say I, I I don't I don't think it was his was worst one either. I think I stated that too off the top. Um, and with my betting bias and as well as the Cub Swanson appreciation fandom bias, like there's probably a little bit of that in there too, right? And uh, but at the same time, it's it, it's tough because it was I could see what Herb was doing. I think that in 2009 we would have been applauding him for that because he was giving a veteran his respect. 
But there's really a strong argument of he was doing the opposite of giving him his respect. Sometimes we think they're giving him their respect, and we like to, to go out on that. Um, the fighter themselves, right? Because that that machismo that, that a lot of us have uh, inherently. Um, but yeah, I I get what he was doing. It definitely wasn't as uh, you know wasn't it wasn't an atrocious stoppage. I will agree with you on that. But I will feel I will say that I, I don't know if he did do many favors. You know no, when you look at how, how it went. The one I one thing I forgot to mention is that everybody picking Cub. I I got why, but in, you have to remember a veteran fighter dropping to you know 10 pounds especially 45 to 30 like giant giant red flag should be going off immediately i know it's cub i know he made it but it's never good when some you know it's been frankie edgar it's never good yeah absolutely yeah edgar he dropped and the ones who have uh, defied that trend which i'm a fan of the old guys by the way like the guido canettis of the world those guys have always fought at 135 so yes they're old but they're not making any drastic moves to your no, point, you right? Go down. Yeah. Yes. So you know, and we'll talk about that later with a aged bantamweight who I may be siding with. But when he did go down, it wasn't very good, was it? We'll talk about that shortly here. Okay. Next fight to kind of blow through the rest of this. Todorovic defeated Jordan Wright. This was the only other ca uh, fight that I didn't cash on. I had the under uh, 1.5 like everybody else. But I'm not. Well, I'm hey. definitely not complaining about this one. Like, um, it, it this wasn't a bad stoppage or it could have been stopped. Sure. It's just one of those things, again, again, this is more MMA culture, right? This wasn't so much where I, I feel like you can throw anything at the ref here, uh, even even with the last one, right? Um, and I think we both agree on that. Uh, but this is more the MMA culture, which I disagree with, and it shouldn't be this way. But it is, so I get it. That's why I'm not crying, which is, unfortunately, we have this culture where a fighter has to drop dead like a Family Guy episode for us to be like, oh, I think he's out. I'm going to call it. Like, I hate that. I think we should normalize more standing stoppages. Um, and, you know, if you just look at, like, just, it was stupid shots and they were slop. And, you know, Todorovic wasn't doing him the best favor with body language either. So I get why um, it wasn't stopped. Again, I'm not crying over spilt milk here or anything like that. But it does, even throwing all the bets aside, folks, and all that bias that comes with it, right? It does make us ask as human beings, or at least I hope, you know, can we normalize some standing stoppages a bit, you know? Um, I, you know, again, I... I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. Sean, any thoughts? Uh, and my hot take for this one is is Jordan Wright, if you don't know, is not the hot take. Factual, Jordan Wright was cut, I believe. Sure. Right? He was, yeah. He, yep. he'll, he'll be back. I, I think he will. And I, I think that's a hot take. I think people are pretty down on him, and he's not very good. He, he looked good. He, get, he fixed the cardio. He's got the fun style. He'll cause problems in this weight class in the regional scene again. He's young. I think he'll be back in the UFC. I agree that he is the talent, and I'm definitely rooting for him, and I'm not going to condemn that because I don't think that's the craziest take. He's young for all the reasons you said. I will say, though, if there is a psychological tie and more of a gas tank tie, I do wonder if that's almost more condemnable, though, you know? Um, shouts to my guy Zane Simon. I was listening to him on the six-round post-fight, and he was saying, I forget the exact words, but he said, like, Todorovic looks like a guy who enjoys fighting even when he's getting beaten up, whereas... Wright seems like a guy who enjoys fighting when he's doing the beating up, but when it comes time to take it, not as much. So uh, I'm definitely not going to laud those accusations. I'm definitely going to root for him because he just seems like a, a really cool, likable dude, to be honest. But uh, I, yep. if I'm being honest, I do got to wonder that aloud a, a little bit, a little bit. Um, all right, next fight, Rafael Asuncao defeated Victor Henry. This was the only fight I got wrong, and this is where bias is why you got to be honest with it. And it just it continues to mess with me, which is why I continue to be honest with my audience. Because whether I'm right or wrong, um, 
I, I can at least protect my audience a bit. And uh, I'm a big fan of, again, older... Speaking of older Bantamweights, this is... I mean, I know he did used to fight at higher weight classes because he had to out of necessity. But to the Guido Canetti point, this is his home weight class. So there was no drastic change there. He was proven. Um, I did stay off Victor uh, Henry, thankfully. Not trying to play that hindsight 2020 or rub it in if anybody did. Um, but yeah, despite rooting for Hafi, despite having some of my, my coaches in his corner even, right? Uh, Dennis Davis and Eric Nixick. Um, I, I, I'm trying to be as unbiased and as professional as I can be. You can never fully shake the bias, but it looks like I overcorrected the other way perhaps, right? And this should have been a spot where, especially those who know me, even without the extreme couture bias, Dan Tom loves the technical countering southpaws or, you know, or stance switchers and older dudes that people are discounting. Like, this is me all day. I didn't take it, but I'll tell you what, I am happy to be wrong here. Um, w w did you have any strong feelings going into this fight? What were your thoughts going out of it, Sean? Not really. Hoppy uh, Osunza is death to DFS. He is. He scores those slow pace counterings. He's, I, I don't dislike him as a person. His fights are awful for DraftKings and fantasy in general. They just don't score well because his fights tend to be low output for the style he wants. Um, so, But he was so cheap because he was such a big underdog. I did play a little bit of him. It's kind of, honestly, the fight I expected. Like, Victor Henry went from, he was a 2-1 to favorite in this fight versus his last fight where he was, um, you know, a giant underdog against Riley Barcelos, who... You know, Barcelos, I have I hold a really high esteem, but it was a massive overcorrection in the line, and one I, I kind of feel like I should have sucked. Mm -hmm. I didn't bet. I kind of just overall stay like. Yeah, no, totally. I, I don't disagree with those notes, and to kind of build on to it, my guy Alvin Yakatori in the chat sharing some words of his as well, and saying about you know losses and to not discount that and 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 the pain and hardship that a lot of these fighters have to go through. And uh, boy, did you feel that when you saw the the decision get announced, right? When you saw Hafi kind of go into tears, and I mean, regardless of which side you bet or were rooting for, I mean, how could you not feel for that guy? You know, you really saw how much it meant to him, and it really ties in with the words that uh, Alvin Yakatori, which you should be able to see the chat replay for those listening into the future, future, future. Appreciate those kind words, Alvin, and that that, that kind of ties up uh, that fight. But yeah, I was just really happy, really happy. The coaches felt good too. Was talking to the coaches uh, about it, and um, you know. Um, not sharing too much out of school, but, you know, Rafael Sunstall still kind of debating on whether or not to retire. And um, basically, um, some advice he may or may not have gotten, and it might be advice that I agree with, is that if the UFC offers him some other matchup, a bullshit matchup like this that was supposed to be on the prelims against some dude who's supposed to just wash out the old guy, tell him to kick rocks and retire on a win. But if they offer you a sensible matchup, like against a Frankie Edgar, like an older fighter, a, 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 you know, uh, uh, some kind of fight that makes sense back home in Brazil that they're going back traveling, then then yeah, then, then go ahead. Otherwise, I don't, I, I would not be mad if he retired on this win. I totally get it, Hafi. I'll, I'll just say that. But uh, all right, finishing up the main card, we had Alonzo Menafield defeated Misha Serkinov. Boy, that was a uh, picked Menafield by first round KO and. I was hoping I was wrong, but uh, yeah, sure enough, that, that 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 happened. And any thoughts on this one here, Sean? Went exactly how I thought it was going to, and unfortunately, the way I think a lot of people did, kind of a little bit sad to see with Misha, but I mean, that was that was as close as we can get as the MMA community getting it totally right, because we all kind of saw the writing on the wall there. I think anyway. Yep, absolutely. We saw that one going. Mana Martinez defeated Brandon Davis. Didn't watch this one too closely. Although I was thinking that was uh, 
Brandon Davis for some reason was a, a, a James Krause fighter because like I, I was kind of half watching and I, I walked away from the screen at the end of the second round and I heard him just you know uh, you know going off on his fighter and I was like oh wait wait he's cornering Mana Mana just dropped him uh, but I I don't know uh, I, I know I know Krause has been you know uh, been getting a lot of got a lot of talk from that and, and other things so I'm definitely not trying to pile on but uh, boy that fight was just kind of crazy and confusing to me. Um, ended up going to split decision. Uh, were you watching this fight closely? Did the scores uh, make sense to you? Uh, I'm not complaining. I just didn't watch much of it. No, I, I, I watched. I, I can say I, I didn't watch it super intently. Other than I understand why James Krause was upset. I mm-hmm. thought Brandon Davis fight. I thought Davis won. Now I wasn't super like locked in on, but I had 29-28 Davis. I, okay. I get off just and it, but it's one of those. I would not going to cry robbery, which is way overused. Anyway, either right. way, any scorecard, one of those fights, any scorecard made sense to me. Um, I, I think, how do I best describe this? I think using our 10-point must system, Davis won. I asked who did more damage in the fight. Overall, if I had to look up the, the full 15 minutes in totality who won, I probably would have picked Mata Martinez. It was it was a super close fight. It was closer than I thought it was going to be. And using you know the 10-point must system, I had Davis 29-28. You know, you're not crazy there because other people who I, whose opinions I also respect uh, also had the same scorecard as you. Uh, you know, citing criteria, showing their work, so to speak. So you're definitely not you're definitely not crazy, and that's that's why I wanted to ask. You know, uh, what your opinion is well on it. I got my guy James Kendrick in the chat. Man, Alvin sharing his positive message from the MMA Mania podcast to PYN. Gotta love it. I appreciate it. Dan is the man, and Alvin is the prince of positivity. I like that. The prince of positivity. Appreciate you guys there. Um, all right, we got uh, finishing through this real quick. We got Jacob Malkoon defeated Nick Maximov. Uh, that cash, I'm glad I ended up pulling the trigger because Malkoon was the only underdog that I ended up technically picking on this whole card. So if I didn't play him, what the heck am I doing with myself as a degenerate gambler, much less a gambler of any sort? So uh, he cashed. Um, uh, you know, I don't have much to say. I really wasn't watching it too close. I know Maximov got injured. Um, and I will say... for matter. It did. It, it. It. A. Yeah. Thank you. A. It didn't matter. And B. If anybody uh, is getting, you know, getting some of those uh, karmic points, um, again, winning night, not complaining. A lot of great things to be grateful about in life, folks. I'm just saying, when it comes to these notable bad decisions from refs, or you think about bad decisions, I play this game with the audience and I challenge them. It's open anytime, folks, in the chat. You post a really controversial card or a controversial non-stoppage call. I guarantee you I was on the wrong side and bet the thing on the wrong side. Um, so it's just one of those kind of ongoing themes is why I mentioned that. And, uh, of course, uh, Nick Maximoff. Here's why I want a victory lap here for, 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 for a second. Um, he got a decision he should not have gotten against Puna Soriano. I'm sorry. Good for you if you all cash that. Anybody, I'm not coming at you all. I'm just saying I'm calling the sky blue when it's blue. And he did not win that fight. Uh, uh, you, you know, he, I cashed that. Good, good for you. Good for you. I, I have friends who cashed it, but he did not win that fight. If you're being honest with criteria, to just common sense of a fight, going by any of those criteria or anywhere in between, even the only acceptable time would have been 2007, and even then people would have been yelling lay and pray, and they wouldn't have been happy about it uh, when those decisions were more acceptable. And aside from my bet, or oh, your your Puna is a Hawaiian from Extreme Couture, or it wasn't just a bet, but it was tied into a round robin, which would have 10x my profit. Those things are all very true, and I'm the first to admit those things. One of the few who consistently admit their bias, uh, you know, uh, is in 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 this space. But what I did say, Sean, what I did say is, let's take all the betting stuff away, okay? 
this is and you're a Maximoff fan. You you bet him, and you're just like a legit fan. Like you didn't just bet him. Like you were invested. You're in his career. That is the worst. I, I I said it back then. That is the worst thing that can happen to Nick Maximoff is that he got that fight. Forget me. Forget my feelings and my bet. Who gives a fuck? Because really, who does? It, for him, it was the worst thing. And just like I got to hear everybody recycling my Charles Oliveira analysis uh, that I've been shouting at everybody for the last three fights, or the last two fights, I should say, um, and and uh, people are using that for their Islam pick, which is fine, and we'll get to that. Um, but now everybody is saying the same things I was shouting on, saying, what are they saying now, Sean? What are they saying? Maximoff got pushed too fast. Maximoff should have never been... Hmm, who is saying that? Who is the guy who's been saying this about Contender Series fighters, much less ones who Nate Diaz admittedly said the only reason guy Sano Jr. who gets KO'd in four seconds and Nick Maximoff are in here because, and credit to him looking out for his boys, but again, back to the question, are you really doing your boy a favor there? Uh, he specifically negotiated them in the UFC. If that's not a fade-on-the-spot kind of a deal, A, I don't know what is, and, and B, if you care about these fighters and their progression, which is why I complain about you know, the feeder system, why I complain about certain matchups. It's not even about the betting. It's about it's because I actually care. Like I want to see people actually have a chance to develop and give themselves a shot. And him getting that decision was the worst thing. And to hear everybody say, have that same takeaway... It like both feels good and upsets me at the same time, which is why I'm so passionate. Either way, I was proven right. I will cash that ticket happily, injury or not. I will take it. Sorry, passion. I, I went from betting Maximoff to I bet Malkoon in this fight too. Like I saw, yes. like, oh, oh, I think I'm wrong on this guy. And it's funny you said the Smart push man. negotiated for him. I had a lot of those same takes against with Jacob Malkoon. And then sure, yeah. Seconds against Phil Hawes, I'm like, that's it. This is just this is just Bobby. This is Bobby Knuckles' friend. This is who this is. Same, yeah. And and then he he beats Rizaka Hassan. I'm like, well, he can't wrestle. And he beats Dobson, and I go, hmm. And even though he lost, and I think he won the fight against Allen, by the way. Against, I think he beat Brendan Allen. Um, I I was I didn't like those scorecards. If I remember right. It was, you know, it, it was competitive, and that was a reason why I, I, I don't share the sentiment, but it was competitive. It was really close, and right. it, it gained my respect, which is what led me on here. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, good. And then he did this lot, and I think right after this, he cashed the ticket. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stop, stop calling him Robert Whitaker's friend. He, he, he belongs <laughs> here. He's got for this weight class to go for that many takedowns repeatedly is impressive. It's just he's. I, I'm interested to see who he gets, who he gets next. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as a guy who's five nine and may or may not have just been offered a middleweight fight, I, on a personal level, it was nice to see a five nine guy do it. <laughs> so you know, you know, who's not like the an outstanding athlete because I definitely am not. So props to Malcoon for that. Joe Anderson Brito is an outstanding athlete though, and he defeated Lucas Alexander. Um, I'm not a Brito hater by any means, but I will say he does have a weird sample size, and I'm going to be looking for overinflation. Not saying he doesn't deserve it and won't cash again, but uh, the guy the guy is scary. I'm, I'm just more curious to see who they match him up with and who they line. I'm not being a hater, but I don't know if that makes sense because if you look at the sample size, it's, it's a really weird one. We're all just waiting for round two. When, when are we going to see round two? Was this, I mean, are we ever going to see it? Yeah. I, I think so, but yeah, you got to see who gets... Um, you're waiting for that next step up in competition to not a top rank guy, that middle rank guy. He's clearly he needs the next step. This is what happens with these type of guys, and but he's making the low level UFC guys look like regional guys, and it's that's impressive. 
Yep, yep, absolutely. Piero Rodriguez defeated Sam Hughes. I didn't watch much of this. Um, did, did, did you did you watch it? Any thoughts, uh, agreements in the decision, disagreements? I, I, I watched all this fight, and I thought I thought the, the right fighter won. I thought I'm glad the judges weren't fooled by, okay, Hughes is walking forward, so she wins. I'm, I'm glad that wasn't – I mean, I've seen that happen before. I thought Rodriguez did, did more damage. I thought it was – I thought the, I thought the rounds were pretty clear. I I bet Rodriguez is here. So as I'm watching the fight, I'm like, oh man, this is close. This is really close. This is, and I kind of was like, and I rewatched it after because we had some early finishes. I went back and I rewound and rewatched it. I'm like, what was I worried about? I was talking to Moose and he goes, yeah, it was clear. I don't know why you were freaking out, but it's one of those, I had I had a pretty big bet on this fight because I was I was pretty confident in uh, Pierre Rodriguez. Nice. Well, I'm glad you ended up getting it in that case. You know, uh, over Sam Page. Uh, Tatsuro Tyro defeated CJ Vergara, la verga. Uh, but no, uh, no, Vergara put up a good fight as long as he could. Still got, ended up getting submitted by Armbar. Uh, I had Tyro by sub and in the round robin, so I, I definitely was happy to get the night started off this way. Any thoughts on this fight going in or coming out? More impressed with Tyro than I was coming in. He is, he is. I, I knew he was a good grappler. It was one of those against his competition. I wasn't sure are we gonna, is he gonna run into a guy who can stop it and you know is his is his regional competition going to get exposed and no i mean cj vergar is 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 a good fighter and he was able to do the things he was able doing on the regional level and now i love grappling i love these grapple heavy fighters i know a lot of people don't they want striking i'm i'm kind of the opposite so i'm really i'm higher on tyra going out that I was coming in. Nice, nice. Uh, he's still raw and, and and still but he's still young. He's got a long way to go. Um, you know, uh, seems to love himself some In-N-Out Burger. I may have to uh may have to set that trend and like do like a five guys thing like uh if I if I after I fight or compete next time. Uh, cuz I feel like In-N-Out's getting too much love. I'm a contrarian, so I got I got to make sure I have no followers. Uh, by by hating on things like in and out. No, my, wife my wife's a five guy, like love side guys. It's great. It's great. You actually can get bake. Yeah. You can actually get can get bacon and like uh, uh, toppings. Like uh, you know, I, I know not everybody likes mayo. They go ugh, but I mean, it's it's a basic comp uh, condiment, and I feel like you should offer um, basic condiments. You know, like it's great. I don't know. Don't get me. We'll get on a fast food talk. I'll I'll be talking for days on fast food. Don't get me started. Um, we gotta have a podcast just about that because I'm with you. Yeah, I'm sure we could. That, that's fun. We could we could go out opinions just like this, which is great. Uh, but uh, but uh, uh, I'm, I, I, I'll say this: uh, was it, is it Chick Fil A? I'm just saying, just not hating on the sandwiches or the or the sauces. Why can't we put the sauce on the sandwich for me? For me, can somebody put the sauce on the sand? Why Why are we acting like that's never been done before and it's not a possibility in this universe? Anyway, I'm sorry. Forget forget carrying the why there. Oh. Uh, Last night, Pete Rodriguez defeated Mike Jackson to wrap this thing up. Uh, he, Pete Rodriguez did what I imagine most of us thought. I don't blame anybody that took flyers for the value numbers on Mike Jackson. Uh, rooting for Mike I Jackson, I hope. I, I absolutely do. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why? Why in God's green? I, I, I don't know. Basically, half my like I laid a lot of money on Pete Rodriguez just to get a few few hundred dollars back. Because like, there is there is no way, no way. Uh, again, another stocky 5'9 guy, so my heart was with Rodriguez, but as a, a journalist media guy getting his shot to fight in the cage, um, part of me is also, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a hater, man. Like, 
uh, you know, part, I don't know how you, if you could say I was rooting for Mike Jackson because I didn't pick him or play him or I never have. But, you know, part of me, you know, that doesn't mean I'm wishing ill no, on the I guy. Get it. So. Like, I don't eat on him. It just, again, objectively, I was no, like, totally, this, should totally. this should be minus 1,500. This, like, what, what what's happening? So, I mean, I, I took I took it for what I could. I hear you. I hear you. Yep, yep. Uh, hopefully, hopefully y'all... Hopefully you all cashed. All right, we're going to be getting to uh, UFC 280 here in a second. Just want to give some love to the chat. Uh, of course, like and subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you're following my man at Sniper underscore MMA, as well as myself if you want, at Dan Tom MMA. Andy G with Areza Ramon. Uh, Avi, uh, Dan, what's good, my man? This card is absolutely wicked. Can't wait for the breakdowns. We're going to get to them hopefully soon here, sir. Oh, Rio. Dan Tom is MMA Media's uh, is MMA Media's number uh, according to Tapology. If that made any sense, I'm not sure it does, but my reading comprehension sucks. So, so it's probably me. It's me. It's not you. It's me. Uh, Synchro Wing says Alvin sharing love again uh, to one of my favorite shows. Aw, thank you. I'm one of your favorite shows. That's awesome. I'm all. I'm always just grateful you guys would even uh, listen. By the way. Uh, uh, oh, wait, we got, oh, Jimmy Kudo here. What's up, Dan? I'm just excited that we finally get a banger of a card. Me too. But somehow, Bilal Muhammad and Caitlin Chukagian snuck their way into this event. Hey, hey, hey. I, I may or may not have love for some of those fighters coming up. We'll see. We'll see which ones I do, which ones I don't, maybe, huh? Huh? Um, the Man on Fiato of gift wrapping a bow. <laughs> Look at that. I love it. I love it. Uh. The Chatri Sidjutong of picking fights wrong. I hope not, but that's a that, that is a good that is a good rhyme. I appreciate that, Rain. Thank you. Um, all right, let's uh let, let let's get to it. I I'm seeing some uh some technical uh questions come in, so uh I'll get one more and then we'll get to this breakdown here. Uh, Ghost Phantom says, how important will front kicks to the body for Oliveira be in this open stance matchup? Word on the street is that the front kick has a better angle from an open stance matchup. Um, depends on what kind of front kicks. Let's, let's, let's just jump right into it, right? The main event, UFC 280. 35 minutes in here, reading it. And we've got Charles Oliveira, who is your underdog. So let's see here. What are the, uh, what are the current? Uh, Makachev is the favorite at... Sorry, I just want to try to pull up some current odds. As it's loading, 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 loading. What? Um, let's see here. Running slow. Do you got odds on your end, uh, Sean? I have them from a few days ago from my, my sheet I put out. So at least a few days ago it was um, Makashev minus 180, Oliveira plus 155. Yeah, I'm getting it uh, minus, even though they're labeling it UFC 281 here, which is hilarious. Yeah, it's uh, it's my, yeah, it, it's the same here pretty much. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I ended up I, we're on opposite sides of the uh, sides of this one. Spoiler alert! Um, so uh, I ended up taking the uh, Oliveira money line, and um, I also took a prop. And I guess I'll just I'll just just shoot shoot uh, some of the reasonings why. Um, shouts to my guy Big Marley was able to share it with his on his show first. Uh, shared it with a couple people in the DMs, but I really haven't seen this anyone pick up on this analysis. Now, does this mean Charles is going to win? Does it mean he's going to win by submission? No, of course not. But every once in a while, pieces of the puzzle tend to kind of stick together, and y'all get that organic Leo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood moment where, you know, I don't know if you ever get this with your research or what your process is, Sean, where you're like, oh, there it is. There it is right there. And sometimes it's for something you're not even looking for, right? 
And I'm not going to lie, I already was liking Charles Dubronx, so maybe there is some kind of confirmation bias at play. But I'll tell you what, this is a pretty uh, hardcore sample, which is first part of the sample I noticed ahead of time, ahead of uh, Michael Chandler versus Oliveira. Um, I actually did pick Chandler in that. I did have a lot of bias, of course. Uh, I used to train uh, with Mike on the come up. And in my defense, even Dubronx stands, diehard Dubronx fans, they even said, this is the one fight we're worried about stylistically, people who knew what they were watching, um, you know, regardless of the side they were on in my defense. But what I noticed was, was that no matter the variation, I share that gif of Charles Dubronx front choke threats, no matter the variation of Dars, Anaconda, Guillotine, the iteration, what the scenario is, not just nine times out of ten, literally 11 times out of 10, like every time, right? He feeds to his left side. Even in his last fight, which is something I called for, again, when you go back and read my analysis, which I, I was actually quite proud of when you go back to read that Gaethje Oliveira prediction, I pretty much called it to a T. Uh, even Gaethje's uh, success and how he was going to have it. Um, but uh, if you look at that fight, uh, he even was, you know, from the body and the front teeth, which I said was going to be a big factor in that fight because Gaethje he tends to have a lower lower level and when you attack the body it only makes you lower your level more and that feeds into a front headlock and you saw charles even though that's not how he finished the fight he was constantly looking for those and it was to his left side so again pass or fail attempt or not it is 11 times out of his 10 his left side so when i was scouting for chandler i wanted to see what side of his head you know does it fall to on his shots we didn't have to worry about that with chandler too much Fast forward, we have Islam Makhachev. Guess which side his head is literally 10 times out of 10 on his shots. It's always to his right side, which is Oliveira's left side. Now, I do think he's going to do less shots and more clinch because Khabib is an excellent coach. In fact, this is kind of a hot take, which isn't. It's a compliment to Khabib, but Khabib fans are so like rabidly insane that unless you're saying the exact compliment and like you're sucking the dick the exact way they want you to suck his dick, it's like blasphemy. <laughs> um, and and because it sucks because I actually do love Khabib style. Uh, I've been a big fan of Makachev by the way. I've been a guy while while everybody was still like learning where Khabib's dick was to start sucking it when they were just starting their fanboy process. I, the Luke Thomases of the world, we were talking about Islam Makachev and how, how technically is. So I am not disrespecting these fighters or their games at all when I'm saying this, but I do think that Khabib, my prediction, my bold prediction, my hot prediction is that he may end up being a better coach than he was a fighter, which isn't hard to do because the guy didn't fight that much. He was great. He's undefeated. No, he was dominant. He didn't fight that much. But he didn't fight he didn't that much. Fight them. I love it. I, I get it. You know what I think the biggest challenge is? I don't know yeah. what kind of fighters are going to go to Khabib other than a very one, this one stylistic you know, those Russian grapplers are going to flock to Habib. Sure. The way MMA evolves, you know, what's really good, like, styles get beaten, people get better, and, you know, what's the next thing that's going to happen? Like, or is Habib going to get that next level of fighter? That's interesting. I'm wondering who who he's going to attract to his camp. If you look at it that way, but that's the problem. Everybody looks at it that way. We're looking at it like, oh, if... If if uh, Dubronx wins, uh, people are saying Diego Lima should get Coach of the Year. But if Islam wins, Khabib should get it. And people are basing it off of that thing. And I have a problem with that. It's the same thing of defending legacies off of like, 
Um, well, title defenses makes much more sense, but just like these arbitrary uh, numbers without the context. And again, people that are complimenting Khabib, I don't think they're complimenting him the right way. The reason why I say it is because I actually listen to how these how these coaches work and and corner and their stylings, and I and I kind of grade them quietly. Uh, and uh, Khabib says some really sharp things. He picks up on a lot of really sharp details. Uh, and part of it is like you know in the Lentz fight, and this is when he's a still active fighter. The Lentz fight's over a half a decade ago now, I believe. And Lentz had a really has a really good guillotine, a veteran, right? So that's that's an important fight to go back and watch, even though it's a while ago. And listening to how sharp Khabib was, even as an active fighter, which active fighters, especially active fighters, but fighters in general, they're great. They are not the best coaches or corners, believe me. They are not the best for that. Um, all the time, not not every time. And Khabib says some really smart stuff that 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 uh, people like myself will just, I, I, I appreciate. I know it's not gonna get the respect it deserves. It's more to your point, back to your point, Sean. It's kind of the who, he, who, who is he gonna get? You know, it's kind of get, get him those accolades, but I'm looking at him just purely as a coach, and this guy is really, you know, I, that, that must run in his family. You know, Abdul Manap was a hell of a coach, right? Rest in peace, right, to, to that guy. That guy was a hell of a coach, man. He was a real head of his time. He went and studied with, like, judo uh, judo dudes in the USSR and combined Sambo from, from Dagestan. Like, he was really innovative, and we've seen Khabib uh, kind of do that, so... I just want to pay him that compliment there, and I kind of want to parlay it into that. I think that they could, that they could notice this stuff, and I think that Khabib, just like he did in the Lens fight, will be telling Makachev this Saturday, folks, to not shoot so much for the detail that I just, I just said. But here's the problem: is that not only, you know, um, can you see front headlocks be snatched from a clinch position? Front headlockers do it all the time, like the Brian Ortegas of the world, the Charles Oliveras of the world. But um, Charles, I think he's a left-handed orthodox fighter. Um, which is not as crazy as it sounds, folks, because most gyms will, they hate me. They hate people who fight from Southpaw, right? Um, so if you're a left-handed person, there's a high chance that you're going to get trained into fighting orthodox, whether that's your style or not, right? And I say that because if you look at where he's choking and his left hook and his left teep and his front kick, right? Like, his left shots are kind of quietly more powerful. Jan Blakovic is the same thing, and we'll tell you that. Jan Blakovic will be like, my left side's much more powerful. That's why you see me hurt guys with it, whether I'm switching the southpaw and making it obvious, or I'm doing it off of my lead side. My left side is that much better, okay? Islam is kind of the opposite. Like, I'm a right-handed southpaw, so maybe that would be the opposite. But Islam, I think, is a true left-handed southpaw, folks. So that means when you look at him in the clinch, even when he's going for his air quote safer takedowns, he is, again, not just like 90%, like 95 to 99, if not 100% of the time, he is establishing underhooks on his left side and he is looking for leg reaps on his left side. What does that mean? Well, in technical terms, that means his head is always sagging off to the opposite side, which is his right side, which is... Oliveira's left side for those of you following at home. Again, does this guarantee Oliveira's going to win? No. Does it mean he's going to win it by submission? Of course not. But god damn, is it kind of ironic that both of their strongest muscle memories over everything, striking, grappling, every phase, the one thing they do inherently the most, it is a connecting puzzle piece. And I could present this thing to a great fighter and great coach like Khabib and Islam who is a great fighter. And it wouldn't matter. I mean, it really wouldn't um, as far as the result goes because during the stress and duress of a fight, people revert to their base instinct, whether they're hurt, whether they're tired, or any of the other stressors and the things that put you under that duress. 
So I'm going to pick Charles Oliveira by a club and sub by the second round. But if he doesn't do that, I think we're going to have problems here. And I think my guy Sean is going to be able to highlight and make a good argument for the problems that Islam can present. So I totally, and it's funny, I have an incredibly close fight, and that is the way Oliveira wins this fight. I kind of, without meaning to foreshadow earlier, I think Oliveira has to win this by submission. I, I don't think, I you know, I don't think he's going to have any great success against Makachev on the feet, not because he's not a better striker than Makachev, because I think this fight, you kind of hit on my point earlier, I think we're going to see a lot of time in the clinch. And I think the game plan, what's going to happen is I think it's going to be a grindy, grinding, ugly type of fight up against the cage, trip takedowns, um, some top control, and just kind of Makachev leaning on Oliveira. And look, Oliveira's had trouble making the weight in the past. I know I, the, the report that just came out was he's already on weight and going to bed, and we'll see how that goes. Fine. There's also that past narrative, which I know. No, nobody kill me when you just read it. There was a long thing for a while that Oliveira was a quitter. And not that he would quit, but just when things got hard in the fight, he would will. And because fights are hard, you have somebody on top of you leaning on you. His style is just not made for that. I do believe, for the most part, he is a front runner. I know he was hurt by Chandler. New round, he got the hurt, hurt early in the second. I think if he doesn't hurt Chandler early in the second round, there's going to be issues going forward. I think Oliveira is much better as a front runner. And I think with Makachev leaning on him and pressure, I think if this gets out of the second round, I think you're going to see a tired-looking Charles Oliveira, and I think Makachev is slowly, kind of like we saw Habib do, just slowly drown his victim and wear on top of people. And I just, I think the ground and power is going to be an issue. So my official pick on this fight was Islam Makachev via round four knockout. I think it's just going to be an accumulation of the fight just wearing down Charles Oliveira. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think it's one of those. Remember last week, well, this card, this card sucks, and I think it was a good main card. Everyone's don't think this is, the main event is going to deliver like people wanted to. I'm sorry to pour cold water on it. It's just kind of part of my analysis to how I see it going. I think, and we see it plenty of times. Islam is just, is very similar to to Habib. Yeah, Habib was great. How exciting were his fights? Think back. Remember, this is what we're in for. Should it go that way? And similar to, you know, in my mind, the, the uh, linear champion is Paul Felder. And I, and I say that because he finished Charles Oliveira in a very similar way that I think Islam Makachev is going to finish Charles Oliveira. I think in, in the guard, I think it's going to be that accumulation of a fight from Charles Oliveira. Not that he's quitting, per se. I know it's the narrative of just, just exhaust, can't do anymore, and that's it. So I think... I would still think so. I would even probably take over three and a half rounds. I think by the end of round four, we're going to be done, and, and that should be it. Now, I get what you're saying, and if, if Makachev makes a mistake closing the distance in round one or two, that's where I'm worried. If he shoots to, to the to the Oliveira strong side, if he makes a mistake in, in, in his trip, take them. Because I, I heard your analysis on, on, on Marley's show, because I was like, I wonder what, what Dan thinks I'm going on this show. I mean, peek, peek at what he did. I was like, that makes total sense. And I rewatched a little more today. I was like, you know, he's, it, it's right. Everything that you said is totally accurate. I just, I don't think Makachev is going to fall into it. I'd be more worried if I was worried about Oliveira. Like, now, maybe I'm wrong. Oliveira cardio was improved, or he's going to do more damage on the feet than I suspect. But as far as I see it playing out, I, I have it, you know, the typical Oliveira early, Makachev, likely making me make a pick when we get Makachev in. 
Yeah, I think those are that's not crazy because those are Makachev's win conditions. The way you kind of explain that type of a fight, right? Um, the only thing I guess I'll push back on a little bit is is the is the is the quitting thing because I feel like Islam style will make everybody looks like they quit. It is exhausting. I mean, even Moises, who I wasn't expecting to come back, wasn't expecting to win at all in that fight. Uh, but uh, you know, it was clear where it was going. But even with it being clear and dominant and all that. I was almost surprised with like, oh, I guess he's done. He, he's tapping. He's tapping from the crab ride to the uh, to the to the RNC there, and kind of you know uh, not not gave it up. But I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to kick Moises down. I'm I'm trying to express how dominant and just how tiring that style. Um, yeah. Quitting's that, the worst that part. Style, that, that style is. I know it's tough. It's a tough word. It's a it, tough word. It's more like, can a guy be grinded out? Is he grindable? And some guys in MMA are so crazy out of this world tough that they're not grindable. And some people. That's not their best quality, and it comes across like quitting. But it's not quitting. That's it's just a high percent. It's, it's a high percentage style. It's really it, it is it is really effective. But I think we agree on the structure of the fight on what it has to look like. My guy Brad Tashchuk says Round Robin's out here changing lives. I love to see it. Thank you, Brad, for educating me of the ways of the dark side. Uh, and you can bet your butt, um, I will have some some Oliveira by submission in this week's uh, Round Robin. Um, for me, again, you don't got to follow me off the cliff. Um, I don't blame anybody siding with my guy Sniper here. But I will add that um, if he and, – and I'm also going to put, put some positive shine on Islam striking that I haven't heard him get too much love on too as well here. So um, just a couple more things on this fight before we push on. I will add something that like when, when, if it does get to the ground, he gets past the striking phase, the clinching phase, and the transitional grappling phase. That's three phases he got to pass to get the top control, right? Um I don't know if it's that much of a of a home free stretch if he gets it there either because uh, as we saw with you know against another wrestler who is really good jujitsu and riding and, and submission acumen and Kevin Lee, um, Oliveira used leg entanglements and something I forgot about it was either round three or four when ba going back to watch that said Moises fight to go give Moises some credit in case it sounded like I was I was shitting on him earlier is that Moises about a minute or just over a minute which doesn't sound like a long time but it's kind of a long time especially in the context of, of a fight, much less that fight. Um, he goes for a leg lock. Now, he's finished leg locks before, so Makachev is rightfully respecting it, right? But, man, he wasn't doing some real basic leg lock defense, and I'm like, okay, am I just judging a fighter too hard, Dan? How good is your leg lock defense? Well, I can tell you it's not great, and it's certainly gotten worse uh, over the years because I haven't been refreshing on it. But there were fundamentals that popped out to me and were only affirmed because Islam himself, which the commentary noted, had to look back to his corner for direction. And again, he has an excellent corner, but even with the excellent corner, even with the direction, even with all that said time, he got locked down even though he was in the top position. He couldn't move, didn't want to move. And really, it really scared me honestly as somebody who has been despite my pick here i've been very high for over half a decade on this guy's grappling and that actually kind of really worried me so there are things there where i feel like that's where islam needs to be your wing conditioning is the way you laid out you're not crazy you're exactly right on how it needs to be i just feel like even if he does get there it's not a given but on the other side for people discounting that islam has to wrestle to win um he has tools on the feet He's a, he, he is a really snappy kicker. You could tell he really took off that Luke Rockhold school of things. And he's got a real powerful left kick. And there's something that I've been putting in my analysis for over half a decade now. Um, especially even when I, whether I pick against or for Charles Oliveira. 
is that, and again, this could be past analysis with the front running stuff because I think he did look more of a front runner, to your point. I, I think that was more correct at 145. People criticizing or worried about his weight. I don't blame you if we're talking about Oliveira at 145. And at 145, maybe it's there because he's cutting weight, and I often talk about people being more susceptible to the body when they cut weight. Uh, maybe it's not there as much as Oliveira has built in and went up a weight class and filled out right. But body kicks and body attacks have always been very effective on him, and it's something I always highlight. And Makachev's got a really good southpaw body attack, and Makachev's main countering weapon is a check right hook. And checking checking hooks, as we've seen with the Gaethje and Poirier, something I also said to watch out for, despite picking Oliveira to still win, said he was going to win but get caught by those things, which he did, um, is those checking hooks. So for anybody discounting Islam chances on the feet, those are two weapons that I want to remind everybody that will be very potent. So let's not act like, even me as an Oliveira supporter, let's not act like Islam has no chance and no weapons to threaten him with, because that's not true. He does. I just wanted to add those two things for both sides. You know, I, I, again, this is the chance I should take to add a little bit of DraftKings. If you're playing yeah. what we call cash games, 50-50s, double-ups, um, you know, you're basically winning double your money, um, whether you're going one-on-one -on -one or on a large field. It's If you're not familiar with what you're new, you can absolutely play both fighters to build a floor. I, if you were talking to Marley, I know you guys talked about stacking. And the interesting scenario this week, we have two five-round fights. You always mm -hmm. want to stack the five-round um, unless they're high variance, I can make a case. And usually, I would I would break Marley's balls. You can't double stack. I'm flirting with a double stack this week because this fight is going to be. The idea is twofold. Both, it goes to a decision. Both, both guys have more rounds to work and rack up points and build your floor. You took floor is minimum amount of points you can gain. Um, it's just with two five round fights, you get four or six roster spots. If you're making me pick which one I would double stack, I'll go to the Coleman, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I I might just roster both these guys because it's close. And this way, I'm not wrong. I'll let other people make the mistake, which is a common strategy in, in, in cash games. Just eat the chalk, let other people mess up. I like that. Shouts to Herb Dean as the gold standard in the, in the chat. Put some respect on Herb Dean. I appreciate you keeping, keeping me aligned in the chat, Herb. That's what you're here for. You're here for our safety. Um... Ghost slap fighting, I guess. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> don't get me distracted. No, uh, no, that was that was that was some great notes. And yeah, I am a big fan of the the stacking conversation. So I love that um, that that conjecture, if you will. So that's really interesting there, especially when we talked about the next fight, which is Aljamain Sterling defending his bantamweight title. Minus 175, he opened a bit wider, but it's come down to earth, in my opinion. I'll see what my guy Sean here thinks. Come back on TJ Dillashaw plus 150. Um, I was surprised with where I ended up on this fight. Where did you end up, and did it surprise you? And what are you expecting, man? This is where I have to admit my own bias. I, I have been beating the Aljo drum for a long time. Like, his fight against Corey Sandhagen was probably one of my biggest bets, and I was being called stupid all week. <laughs> I made, I'm like, that was one of the largest bets I'd ever made. Nice. Like, I, I'm on the Aljo side. I believe in the guy. I wish we put down the freaking Twitter. Like... Whatever personality is kind of crafted for himself, I'm still trying to figure out if he really is this cringe or he's going a little Colby on him. I'm trying to think, or it's some combination he's embracing the heel from the, 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 the first Peter Yan fight. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to really figure it out. But put that aside for the analysis. Like the gas tank is there. He can wrestle. He can strike. Like everything's there. The guy. They're very similar fighters 
um, Algernon Sterling and T.J. Dillashaw. Um, what was in, I, I cannot get the Dillashaw, like his history, the, his his age is really concerning. Like he didn't to me, he didn't look great against Sandhagen. I think there's there's holes in not that Sandhagen isn't fun and flashy. I think he's a guy who got pushed a little quickly. Like I think he's he's really good right towards the top of the division. I'm not as sold as Corey Sandhagen as everybody else. I think he'll get there. I think Sandhagen needs a little more time. I think he'll be a champion at some point, actually. Um, it's it's one of those... So I knew coming in I was probably going to pick Aljo, um, and that is where I ended up. I ended up Aljamain Sterling via decision. I just think everything that Dillashaw does, Sterling does a little bit fresher, a little bit newer, a little bit faster, a little bit smoother. I'm... Can TJ push the pace he pushed in the past? That's my, that is, I think, his win condition. If he can be in Algernon Sterling's face for 25 minutes, I think TJ's got a real path to victory. Similar to how um, I was saying Islam can wear on Charles, TJ can wear on Algernon if Algernon doesn't get this fight the distance he wants. Close this, if he can't dictate, I do think TJ can. It is, it is, I, don't, I didn't bet Algernon in this spot, honestly. Because minus one seventy five is still too high. For yeah, me. I agree. It's not even the number, even the guy I like here. It's just I don't feel good about it. Um, I do think there's going to be a lot of pace in this fight. DraftKings, I'm probably going to target both guys, both the main and the main. A lot of times I like to be underweight, which means not as much as the field because they typically get higher on. Like Donald Cerrone is always like fifty percent owned on a slate, and you're like, why? Oh, because he's cowboy and everybody loves him, and just the casual people who are playing these contests are just. Oh, Cowboy Cerrone, I know him, I'll click him. Their names, the, the more casual people know. So the strategy is, okay, let me go. They're going to be over on base what they should be. I'll go under and I'll, you know, I'll get some leverage. I can't do that this week because I think both these fights are going to be higher. Yeah. Enough takedown. It's going to be like some DraftKings. It's kind of one of those, I have to go with the chalk. And there's some other spots I'll get cute with to kind of be different. These aren't them. Um, so that's kind of my analysis. I think Algernon, and I still people just... Casuals, anyway, discredit how good he is because they don't like him. And it's 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 it kind of is what it is. I think he's just a newer version of TJ. And like I said, my worry is that pace. Can TJ do that? If he does, props to him. Yeah, I feel like that's the funny thing about this matchup, though, because you, I, I don't disagree. By the way, that's fair analysis. But on that last point, you could say that about both guys. You know, uh, TJ Dillashaw with the steroids or. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, whatever he's doing, the, the, the defending rape, or the Andrew Tate, who I don't even know who this guy is. He seems like a douche nozzle for what yeah, it's neither. worth. I, I but, look it up now. But the I just refuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, the, but, the, but the, the point is, I'm not trying to sidetrack us down that hole, but the point is, you got to wonder how much of that stuff is playing into opinions, to even as far as betting lines sometimes, right? I mean, we, we see this all the time. It sounds tinfoil hattie but it's really not it's it's part of the economy that we operate in you know and you can't deny that some things influence the line whether we agree with it whether we think we should uh, it doesn't matter sometimes these things do but um yeah uh basically i came in thinking like you man i'm like aljamain aljamain by decision people um even when i picked against them i was happy to see him i picked a uh, i picked him to beat you on the first time not the second time but i was happy to be wrong the second time obviously um, I picked him to uh, submit. My analysis actually looks pretty good in hindsight in that Corey Sanhagen fight. So uh, I share your sentiment there on feeling good about how that one played out, right? Before, during, after kind of a deal. Um, so it's definitely no hate on Aljo. I mean, the dude shares a similar 
uh, practice room uh, and coaches and stuff. So like, that's another part where like, oh no, is the bias, right? And I picked away from my bias last week and it's like, Dan, why didn't you do the easiest thing that everybody and their mother does where they just pick their biases, pick their boys, tell everybody else to shut up and, you know, do your thing and victory lap and whatever. You would have, I would have had a perfect week last night, Sean, uh, last week. I would have had a perfect week if I did that, if I just did the obvious right move, there. right? Yeah. Right? Why, why am I not picking Aljo here? For, again, I don't disagree with the things you said. I love Aljo, but I'm actually picking Dillashaw because when I look at the history, um, you know, uh, by the way, uh, shouts to my guy here, James Young. He says, looking lean, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, man. But uh, not not to sidetrack or talk about me, but, like, again, back to the Aljo. You know, you want to talk about how people are looking. Like, um, Aljo, I kind of worry about a, almost a little more because he cut so much weight. Like, I, yeah, I might look lean right now, but I'm I'm still, like, trying to stay away from 180. I'm bored. I'm touching. I'm, like, 179, 178. And I stand next to some of these Bantamweights as a guy who's 5'9". And he's as big as me, man. It's insane. Like, these guys walk around in the 160s. You know what I'm saying? And Aljo, Aljo, Aljo's like one of those dudes. Uh, he's in great shape. He's not cutting straight from 160. He slowly works his way down. Not trying to spread misinformation. But I'm also not saying anything crazy by saying the dude is big. And the reason why I bring that up is because when I went back to watch the second Yan fight, even though I agree with the scores, I agree the right guy won, I'm happy for Aljo, right? Um, there was, and he did much better in that fight, right? He did much better with his pacing. Uh, but when it came to rounds four and five, he still looked bad. I know we didn't get to see round five, the first Jan fight, but we saw his kind of pacing already kind of crap by round four. He did improve upon that, but again, he proved upon it enough to secure a win, but becomes round four and five, he still looked visibly slow and visibly tired. Whereas we want to talk about how Dillashaw looks. It's not that I'm going to disagree with you. I thought he looked good enough for me to pick him here in short, right? But the thing that's interesting, Sean, and to our audience, I want to remind you is that ever since his fights with Cody Garbrandt, really in the last four years, we barely have one round of honest footage because how much do you take from the flyweight cut, the craziness of it, the EPO, the shortness of the fight in general? How much can you really take from that with Cejudo? And with Sanhagen uh, Dillashaw, we only get a one round to analyze, guys. It's a five-round fight, Dan. You're right. But when does Dillashaw get hurt? It is with a leg lock at the end of round one. So his mobility and everything is compromised. So we only get a look of, as far as Dillashaw's proprioception, speed, athleticism, technique, all of the above. We only get one round. So that's the dangerous part. Also the dangerous part about picking him, right? Uh, it's a two-way street here with Dillashaw. But when, I, when you spoke about history, Sean, and I'll throw it back to you here. When I look at history, and this is the reason why I picked and cashed Dillashaw by decision against Sanhagen, and now we have a sample size, again, uh, with that Sanhagen sample size of him doing it in a five-round fight. In the Again, I, I could care less about the USADA era, but for what it's worth, EPO Shaw did it under USADA era, did it with one leg, did it with a hole in his head, is that whether this guy's winning, whether he's losing, whether he's tired, whether he's hurt, whether he has a limb compromise, TJ Dillashaw is fighting for your money. And not only is he fighting for your money from a degenerate gambling perspective, but he's also finishing these fights very strong, if not outright winning them, or like in the Cruz fight, having an argument to at least outright win. And so I, I'm actually going to go with Dillashaw here. And speaking of the Cruz fight, which, by the way, Cruz is the longest person to ever really control him. Only, I think, 33 seconds. Um, I feel like that Cruz game plan will pay dividends by attacking the legs 
and doing those corralling kicks to the cage. It wasn't the wrong game plan. You know, it just took to Marlon Vera. You know, Marlon Vera knocked out Dominic Cruz with the same thing that TJ Dillashaw and Dwayne Ludwig were calling for. And it's going to go great with a guy like Aljo, who will play on the outside, who does use lateral movement. And you can break him down and target the legs. It's hard to hit his head, but it's easy to hit his legs. And I'm not a stats guy. Last thing here, Sean, I know I'm running along. I'm not a stats guy, but I can't ignore the 86% takedown defense and the lack of control time. More specifically, anybody can point to those stats, but the reason why you call me here or to my breakdowns is because I actually did the work and I looked at all, not just the completed takedowns, but I went and looked back at anybody who even thought about taking TJ Dillashaw down and I look at what TJ Dillashaw is doing and unlike the high percentage of always putting your head here or always snatching a choke here like we were talking about TJ Dillashaw doesn't always do the classic wrestler back exposure he will swim in for a single to do safe single leg stands like Ioana and Jacek and others which is great he'll go for your classic underhook getups he'll use the fence and he's just a ridiculously quick scrambler who nine times out of ten shuts it down and floats to the back because lest we not forget, folks, it doesn't mean Aljamain Sterling can't get to his back. No, it doesn't mean he can't submit him. No, no, he can't. And I'll be looking forward to Aljamain Sterling doing that. I'll be looking forward to Dillashaw's defense. But the old adage, if you're good at something, doing it, you're probably decent at defending it. And we, we must not forget that Dillashaw, too, also started his UFC career as a human backpack. That's how he got his wins, especially against taller guys. So ultimately, even though I'm rooting for Aljo, uh, I, 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 I want to be able to show face at the gym, Sean, and not get my butt kicked by his friends. I got to be honest, man. I got to call what I see, and I can't see around that. So I'm picking and playing Dillashaw here. Am I, am I crazy what I just said? I'm going to toss it back to you. Am I crazy? No, it's not crazy. It's the only thing I, I, I would, would kind of push back on a little is When's the last time we saw TJ Dillashaw against a grappler? And you could say pseudo, but that fight was, you know, right. that wasn't a grappler fight. Right. Sandhagen, not a grappler, hurt him with a leg lock. You got Aljo there. You let a Sarah DJ J Black belt there. Uh, we're going to break your legs. Um, not that I'm a black belt, I'm just saying. Right. Yeah, no, 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 right. No, I hear you. My arm, I, I, I had to stop rolling my elbow. Anytime you would even think about an arm bar, my elbow pops out. You oh, look at it from. I'm getting that way with my shoulder, man, uh, and, and other injuries that I can't talk about right now, so I feel you. I was just short of a blue belt, and I'm like, so I'm like all right, sorry, guys, I'm, I'm done here. You, you, too old. We're going to get you that blue belt, buddy. We'll, we'll get you there. But, yeah, you got to yeah. take care of yourself, though. Seriously, it's, it's tough on the body. I don't, I don't disagree, but, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I, I had a white kid at that point. I'm like, I can't anymore. So, anyway, but it's in tough. those, you know, I, 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 I've, I've been in those rooms. Like, I, I don't I, – I just – he gets in that position he was in – against Aljo that he was in against Sandhagen, he'll get submitted there. Or some serious damage where he's not going to be able to continue the fight. So you got those two. Then you got the yeah. two Garbrandt. Lineker, is he really a grappler? No. TJ took him down a bunch. A Sun Sal. Uh, Dominic Cruz is probably the last time. And Dominic Cruz is just a guy who can mix everything in. Like, so that, and I'm already, I won't keep going. I keep going down, down, down the list. No, you're, you're right. Yeah. Like Joe Soto, I think, in 2014. Yep, yeah, um, no, totally, yeah. So that's that's a long time. MMA grappling, everything kind of evolves, and Alge is just a, a different kind of animal. Um, it, it could happen, though. I mean, TJ has the skills. It's also part of it. I can't just assume to argue against myself that it's not there because I haven't seen it. You know, TJ's working on all this stuff. Right. I haven't seen it. It's, it's hard to cap anything I haven't seen. 
tough. It is tough, and for that reason, it does almost feel like a dog or pass spot, which, you know, even Aljo supporters have kind of shared that sentiment, even if they're picking Aljo. There is, there is, there is some things where you can't be too confident either way at the end of the day. Um, I did take a shot on Dillashaw at the money line uh, at plus 150 range. And uh, I also, even though I officially picked him by decision, because, again, um, the one thing I am leaving with is I came in thinking there's going to be a competitive decision granted for Aljo. Uh, I'm leaving officially picking a competitive decision for Dillashaw, but because of that potential fading, because of the legs, things can happen, especially when you cut a lot of weight and you start to get older. Um, I sprinkled on uh, Dillashaw round four uh, TKO plus 3,000 and round five TKO plus 3,500. Got it for decent odds in other houses that would just let me do the the, the rounds, which was as high as still 2,500, I believe, for round four. Still 3,000 for round five. Uh, I did my normal, as you know it, load the clip, click, click, 17.17 ducats. My little uh, sprinkles there, 17 ducats that I don't care to see again, uh, can return me multiple, multiple, multiple units in return, uh, almost a half a G, depending on, uh, uh, you know, if he gets it done late here. So, uh, uh, you don't have to follow me off that cliff. I'm just being honest, as per usual, where my money's at. Not telling you where to put yours, folks. Any last things on this fight before we push on? No, I think I'm good. All right. We're not on this fight yet, but Brad Tashjak says, Man on Fioto against overmatched straw weights is the key to more standing stoppages. Sad but true. Sorry. Uh, James Hatfield is drunk. Not me. I wish I was. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, ne ne next fight is a uh, Peter Yan minus 265, Sugar Sean O'Malley plus 225. Uh, any hot takes or just what are your thoughts for this one, my friend? Balls in your court, Sean. I, I think <laughs> it was funny. I was so I was I was at um, uh, two seventy six. I was in Vegas for a national fight week. If it's not two seventy six, I'm gonna look stupid. I think it was two seventy six. I was not one of the ones who left early, but I did see a Sean O'Malley train wreck of a fight. Um, I have to admit, but that I was there as strictly a fan. I was pretty inebriated. I yeah, I, buddy. I thought that I thought the time time Pedro Munoz quit. I was yelling all kinds of mean things. <laughs> I mean, I was in the crowd. I was, I was just, I was out of it. And I'm you were, you were among the animals. That's okay. You were among the animals. I'm like, oh, I was, I was pretty wrong. That's not, that's not what happened at all. Um, and it got me thinking, but still, got me thinking that I just, I we're starting to see the regression in Sean O'Malley. We all kind of expected. Um, I was on o O'Malley in that fight, and stylistically didn't play out the way I wanted. But you keep, you can't tap out. You can't cap via tapology. But, but, all right, who is O'Malley beaten? Like, let's let's refresh ourselves here. You know, uh, uh, it's it just, he lost to Marlon Vera, Eddie Weinman. All right, Thomas Almeida, mm, the ghost of Thomas Almeida. <laughs> right. Yeah. Accurate description, sorry, Thomas, but he, he, he was, he's done. You know, Chris Moutinho, I mean, guy is tough, but okay. Howie and Piva did win, but you're going to tell me you're going to go from Howie and Piva to Pedro Munoz, Peter Jan, and up here with the big dogs? Like, a little too fast, but and it's, it's detriment to Sean O'Malley. I think it's, it's weird in that he went too slow to the progression of time where you should build. Now he's got to go too fast. Hmm. It'd be a nice, you know, the way people build would be a nice smooth arc. O'Malley kind of recognized, or, you know, or the U.S. whoever, they went really slow to build the star, but then they got to the point where they went too slow, and it became this 
this weird, oh, well, he's been around for this long, he really should be at this spot, and, you know, I, I, I think he's in over his head. People are saying tough stylistic matchup at first, but Peter Jan, unless Sean O'Malley decides to become a grappler, which would stun me, I think Peter Jan is going to go forward, and I think he's a different level of striker than Sean O'Malley has faced. O'Malley, I don't think those counter games are going to work here. I think Peter Jan does a much better job of cutting off the cage than anybody else who's fought. I think he's going to corner him. I think he's going to land some big shots. I've seen Peter Jan attack legs. We know that issue than Sean O'Malley. I just... Anywhere Peter Jan wants to win this fight, I think he can. I, I, I ask a little bit of value in the big number in Peter Jan. I don't bet big numbers like that straight up. I'll probably toss Peter Jan in a parlay somewhere that ends up paying better odds with, with another favorite. I, I think this is a little bit too much for Sean O'Malley, and I think we're going to see him take a step back here. And it's one of those... I like this, and then I can go underweight on DraftKings because people are going to be on Sean O'Malley because, again, he's the guy they know and he's really cheap. How can I not? I think Peter Jan is... I think you're going to get a very, very angry Peter Jan after those fights. Like, he just, he just beat Corey Sanhagen. He dismantled Corey Sanhagen after losing the first round. Like, that's impressive. I think Sanhagen is a better striker than... than I, the fight I want to see is, San, is Sanhagen and O'Malley. But I, I just... Peter Jan's straightforward style, I think he'll be able, you know, I, I, and everything I was looking for is how does he cut off the cage, is he get, you know, the, 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 the right foot position, and all the flashy stuff O'Malley does puts him in bad enough spots where a guy who's as good as Peter Jan is going to cut off the cage and make him pay. And I just, I actually kind of question how much damage Peter Jan, I mean, um, Sean O'Malley can take. I, have, I haven't seen it yet, you know the leg stuff, but when he gets hit real good, like, have we seen him take a solid, solid punch hit from the top from a, a guy with power? I don't think so. And that's that it's hard to say, you know, this guy has no chin. It just there's something about the way O'Malley carries himself and gets hit even in those lesser fights that I don't I don't like. So, um, I think the official pick I made for this one, what did I do? Yep, I went Peter Yan round two knockout. Oh wow, okay, I'm right behind you. Uh, by the way, great analysis. I, I agree, and I think it's fair-handed analysis. Um, again, I try to keep my filter clean so I haven't seen it, but I want to shout Miguel Class from the Fight Site. He also put out a, uh, an analysis piece on Sean O'Malley, and from the sound of it, it sounds like he he as well is, is, is more middle-grounded, where he's not just like an outright hater, but he's not praising the guy to be the next McGregor, obviously, either. And that's where I stand. Um, but uh, I've also been somebody who I mentioned it earlier on this show, uh, Sean, and my listeners will know I talk about this all the time which is again that durability cutting down to 135 the bigger fighters as they get older especially um aljo is a big fighter but he's not super tall and he's he's well built right but these taller guys like i i would fade the crap out of andre ul every time i'd be betting round three opposite andre ul because he just would gas his body would give out uh you see he's hurt to the body to the legs very easily um, you know, we've seen this with uh, Montel Quick Jackson, another really tall bantamweight. Again, tall, skinny guys, right? Uh, going back old school references, 155, Corey Hill, as far as the shin snappers, right? And it's it's it's, it's these lighter weight classes, tall, lanky guys. This is all. This is true throughout the timeline, folks. I'm not saying anything crazy here. And in fact, if I'm going to keep that same energy, because I've long said it about O'Malley before Sukumtat, before Vera, and has been proven right. 
again for the umpteenth time, not just on this topic, but on this particular fighter that we're relevantly talking about now, well, then maybe I should pull up from my Peter Yan decision. I, I, I granted, I will admit, um, the fight I have queued up now is Pedro Munoz, Sean O'Malley. I, I have to go refresh myself because I can't remember. I, I wasn't, I wasn't drunkenly shouting like my guy here, Sean. But I can't remember what my reaction was, yeah, right? So not, not a proud night. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to weigh in on that yet, folks. And I will fully disclose that. But coming in, my basic was, you know, was a basic take, which is not so much slow starts because that sounds a little too negative. Not that, it, not that I care. Not that Jan's going to be sensitive about it. But, like, he's more taking reads in the first round, and I thought Sean O'Malley may have his chance there to have a decent round. Uh, or if there was going to be an upset, it would be there. But then Jan, being the builder that he is, adjusts and just ice, just puts it on him in rounds two and three for a decision. Plus 100 is too low of a, of a number, even if it's still there. So I was going to stay away from this fight because I, I really haven't been big on parlays uh, personally. But... Uh, the more I think about it, if I'm keeping that same energy, I'm like, I feel like this is round three all over it. So uh, I'm thinking about either going Yon round three plus 900. Unfortunately, Yon round three by KO uh, is only plus 1,000. It's only, you know, a, a little bit more. But um, I think I might just play that, and then and then if I don't play anything else, it's fine. I'm, uh, You know, I either don't miss it and don't notice that it's gone if it doesn't hit, or if it does... Uh, let's see what, uh, what 20 bucks I don't want to see again gets me, uh, well, 200 at plus 1,000 and a little less, obviously, um, at plus 900. If you just want to take the round three, the general number that's posted at most sports book. Uh, but if it happens in round two, at least I'll know that my guy over here is probably cash and Sean, cause that's your pick, right? Round two. That is. Wow. Okay. Um, you know what? Screw it. I, I played it. I played. I'm not saying you gotta follow me off the cliff. I'm just being honest with where I, I, I put my money, folks. And uh, I just placed that at. Uh, I won't say where, because they're not paying me, and they're apparently a sketchy book. So uh, yeah, I just placed it. But if any, any well, now I know what is. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Well, I'm kind of giving it away too. The fact that I'm that it's a method prop house, and the fact that I'm in Vegas, so you know I'm not allowed to play at um, any of the fantasy duel sites there. So, <laughs> so you know where I'm at. Uh, those in the know know. Uh, all right, next uh, next fight. Me and me, me and Jean are fairly in line here. Um, next fight is going to be Benil Dar. This is one I really wanted to get done before. I just it's been such a crazy week here, folks. And I apologize. Uh, full disclosure. I I I I am look. You know, I'm admitting this, knowing that the confirmation bias that naturally comes with it. But I'm looking at interest to bet Benil Dariush. But do not be surprised when my main quick card, quick picks article comes out that I'm picking Gamrot because uh, I feel like he he is a justified favorite here, even in a three-round fight, um, because pace and gas tank, I think, is his uh, strength here, uh, as well as wrestling and being able to stay out of submissions. Um, I think that's going to be his biggest strength for winning this fight. But I haven't done my due diligence, so I'm not going to commit uh, save me here. What are your thoughts on this fight, Sean? I'm not going to be able to save you too much in that I, I'm on the Darius side, but it's kind of the way I think he's going to catch a submission. Okay. That, that, that's the way I kind of I, I see this playing. Mm -hmm. I, I think it, I picked round one submission. I could see round two. I just think at some point, the way both these guys fight, there's going to be a shot or a scramble or some kind of grappling exchange. If they stay at the feet, 
I, they're so well met. I, I lean towards Gamrot on the feet. The problem is Darius is his unconventional style. He drags people into brawls, and you know we've seen Darius hurt. You know the going to see the Drakkar close footage for forever. That's just that's just you know anytime this Darius fight, you're, you're going Darius fight, you're going to see that over and over again. But he'll he'll drag people into his style, into his style of fight, and that's kind of what I'm interested in. If it's it's one of those whose style's going to hold out here. And, you know, Gamma relies on the takedown. You know, he's, got, he's got four against Diego Fajera. He's got four against, or six against Ar Ar Armand Saruki. And you don't want to be down there with uh, Benil Dariush. And we've seen, you know, Dariush had, who you knock out? He had the spin back, this knock, knockout, mm -hmm. remember, against her. Um, but he's got these knockout finishes. He's better on the ground. He's scary good on the ground. He's a, a legit black belt. Not that Gamrock can't hold his own down there. I think that you know, watch. I, I think there's some holes in his in his submission grappling that a guy like uh, Darius could uh, snatch up. So I'm taking a shot in the dog. I do agree with you. I think Gamrock is the justifiable favorite because I think he's the better striker. He's the better control grappler if he can get on top of Darius. who's tired. I just I think at some point in one of these exchanges, and and you know, I'm assuming that Darius is going to do what he's been able to do in the past and make it his style of fight. Gamrod is smart, and it, I, it's why I kind of got off the fence. You know, or if it was a pick'em fight, I'd probably Gamrod the value side. I just the odds I got him Darius from plus one eighty something. It's just too wide for me. A guy who Darius, who's I think is really dangerous. A guy I do root for. And I, I like I like both guys, but I really root for a guy like Darius, the salt and pepper hair. It makes me feel, it makes me feel good about myself. Yeah, right. I hear that. I think there's openings here for a dog, a dog to come barking. I think there's a little bit of these guys baked into the line. Not that Jeremy Stevens, you know, Diego Fajera, who I almost called Carlos Diego Fajera, but I won't do that anymore. Um, and Armin Saruki, and I mean, they're not good wins. I just there's something about Benny's style that I think is going to cause Gamrot some problems, and that's not the kind of hard hitting analysis because it's. It's one of the, the way I break down fighting is my process is, is not that it's not technical, but I like to get an idea of the styles of sure. the guys, how they're going to yeah. And I try, I try and visualize it. I visualize the two guys, you know, what are they going to look like when they're in the cage with, with each other. And for whatever reason, when I'm visualizing it, I just I don't like the style matchup for, for, for Gamera here. I just think Darius is an awkward type of style that he's going to face. And I could be wrong, and if Gamera... Is, is able to keep his distance, his pace. I could actually see him finishing Darius. I like and find the line. I like the under two and a half in this fight. Gotta find what the official bet is there. That is one I haven't made yet, but I'm going to. Yeah, I don't hate that as far as an angle because you've got some coverage. Because I think that I think that either could knock e knock each other out. Um, more than submit each other, but if Benil gets a submission, I'll be very happy for you and his supporters, uh, and Benil obviously. Uh, I just, you know, again, I, I gotta look, I gotta look into it. I, I want to go back and look at uh, against uh, Gamrod against the Southpaw, which you have a UFC level one, which the only one is Norman Parks. So you got to go back a bit, and more relevantly, you want to see how many times does he give control of his back. He is a wrestler, so those things will naturally create back exposure, but he is more like. Uh, of Dillashaw, but the offensive version where he's going for low singles and things that if you mess up, yeah, you could be in a scramble where your back is exposed. Um, but, uh, you know, especially compared to, to Benil, 
and not just because Benil has the gray hairs or whatever, but just how they move. Gamrot's so fast and fast twitch and and, and uh, in three rounds. Um, I just think he's going to be hard to kind of get a beat on. So I want to see who's able to get to his back. The reason being, I know Benil has an armbar win even in the UFC against Drew Dober, so he can finish off of his back. That is something that's live here, right, to your submission point. Uh, but as far as taking the back goes... I, I, I see him having a hard time trying to do that. I, th I feel like Benil Darius more win conditions is making an ugly fight to either get a knockout or if not get a knockout, at least hurt Gamrot in round one enough to steal the round, throw Gamrot off of his game to keep that temperature high to where if, if Benil's going to gas out in a hard fight, at least make it hard for Gamrot as well. And then he's going to have to edge out either round two or maybe even round three before he gasses. Um, and then it's like a you know, it's like a Diego Fajeda thing where uh, it's like a split. It's kind of a close decision, but Benil does does more damage. He's the more damaging fighter. I could definitely see him winning off of that. So I know that kind of talk scares me, at least, off of unders or finishing potential. But the finishing potential, to your point, it is there. It's not like it's not there. It's more what you have faith on, folks. So if you have a stronger read, go for it. I'm certainly not trying to talk you off it. For my definitive pick, check out the main card quick picks and prognostications that I do on Junkie because this one looks like it'll be on the main card um, last fight there is Man on Fire as she is called by some uh, Man on Fiero minus 205 Caitlin Chukagian plus 175 um, there's some talk about uh, this one in the chat but uh, I want your opinion on this one I haven't gotten a chance to dig deep uh, on this one I have a couple tidbits where I'm looking at Target but what, what do you like here I like the up and comer man on Ferio in this one. I, I I think she is. I think actually one she's getting pushed at about the right pace. You know, she's kind of to to bring it back to earlier. I think this is this is a pretty good um, spot for her. You know, kind of the build in. This is her what fourth, fifth USC fight, something like that. Um, I remember, you know, it was Victoria Leonardo, Ricci, Mario Mario Bueno Silva, Jennifer Maya, and now I think we're up. I I just there's a more natural kind of build there. And every time she keeps, she, she looks good. I like her volume. I like I like pretty much everything about her in this fight. I think she's going to be, they get into any clinch, clinch positions, she's going to be much stronger than uh, Caitlin Chukagin, who, whenever I take a Caitlin Chukagin fight, I have to remind people how good she is of a grappler, which is kind of um, how I, I did bet her against... Um, best last time out, I thought I thought you'd be able to get up, and it's not that this fight's going to be at the feet, and I think this is going to be a situation where I think uh, Manuel Ferio is going to do more more damage and throw more volume. I think Caitlin Chukagian, and it's hard to say, it's, it's weird to say someone's going to throw more volume than Chukagian, because you get a lot of that, not even going to do it, the high-pitched yelling kind of strikes that... As DraftKings players, you come to hate because depending on who's working UFC stats or fight metric, they're just sitting there clicking the button. Not to strike land, and you're like, please, please stop. Just hitting air. Yes. Um, yep. Yep. So, unless the, I don't think the judges fall fall for that, it's more of a just statistical issue. Um, Fierro's going to be doing more damage, stronger strikes. I don't think there's going to be much in them. I think um, grappling wise, I don't think Chukagin's going to be able to get fight to the ground to utilize her, her, her submission skills. I would say the one thing I'm actually a little bit worried about is that Fierro is having success and starts feeling herself, feeling good, and shoots for a take. Yep. I actually don't want to see that. She does. She does that. Not that she can't, 
for and win there, but if you, I, I won't be shocked if, if Jukagian subs it. Like, I'm picking Fierro. The line, it's probably, it's, it's not one I want to bet either side of, but you tell me Jukagian wins the women's MMA armbar, I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, Fierro made a mistake and took a shot down, and, and took a shot and, and got a bet lesson. Not going to surprise me at all. But I think Fierro is more athletic. I think she's going to have more volume, more damage. She should win this fight. My pick is Manon Fierro by decision, and it's weird to say, but you're taking path to victory, for me, is a submission, or just one of those, you know, she's able to keep her distance, and nothing happens, and frustrates Fiora. I don't think that happens, but that is how Chukagi wins if her, if her footwork is even better than I think it is, which I do already think it's good, I just, I like Fiora. I, I think she's the real, a real deal prospect. Nice, nice, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't hate any of that there. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the submission too because I agree she is a good grappler you know or a better grappler than given credit for um, she would work off her back much more in the regional scenes obviously smartly kind of got away from that uh, she doesn't really do it unless she needs to but in those positions she can scramble and work with the best of them even made a Liz Carmouche have to work a lot and she's a real lockdown fighter who really just sucks the life out of a fight when she can get on top as we've seen Liz Carmouche do um, I know she lost that fight granted but uh, I'm just saying the skills, you know, to your point in her defense are there. Um, now, she couldn't make a fight when they were originally uh, s scheduled to fight uh, earlier this month. And then uh, it was a bit of a jump around. I think they even tried to get Fioro with Andrade. And now she's back with Chukagian. So I, I don't know if, who, who's more thrown off. You can speculate there, folks. Um, I want to still go back and watch some tape. But the submission thing is interesting because I may throw that even just blindly now because... I don't really want much involvement on this fight, even if I pick Fioro. But one thing I did notice, and I was worried about it more in the Bueno Silva fight because she's got a mean armbar, is that Fioro to reset herself by habit for whatever reason. And we've seen this with some strikers. I think it's a, a comfort thing, like it, it, which sounds crazy because you're like, well, shouldn't their comfort be on the feet? Like Yes and no. Uh, you get thrown out of position, jumping back and forth in that karate style especially. You will mix in takedowns to reset yourself. We saw that with Justin Scoggins, a guy I was very high on. And uh, you want to talk about fighters you thought were going to be like a champion and like were completely wrong. Like I thought Scoggins was going to be the guy to challenge DJ back in the day. But as we saw, another in-and-out karate striker, you know, Sean, you know where I'm going with this. I know you've been around, buddy. You know what's up. He couldn't stop himself from shooting in takedowns and getting guillotined, right? And again, I, I was too busy thinking about the guy that I was so wrong on. That's Antonio Carlos Jr. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. so sold he was a champion. I'm just, I can't, I can't not think about him now. Hey, that, that, that's not bad. That's not that bad. That's, that's, that, that's, not, uh, that's not as bad as mine, I will say so, in your defense there. But yeah, Fioro does that, man. And again, it's not crazy for me to say that if she she's gonna her her loss is gonna be by submission because most prospect losses are by submission, right? Even the men go, you know, Conor McGregor's of the world, even these fast crazy risers, right? You look at their stumbles, it's usually by submission, right? I mean, this is how it happens. You can 10x that when it comes to the women if we're gonna play the stereotyping game. And I don't mean that as a negative. I'm just trying to be as accurate as and critical as possible. This is the game we are playing, folks. And uh, the women's armbar upset is always there right and Chukagian I, I believe she's a black belt by now she's got to be she's been a brown belt for almost a decade a Henzo a Gracie or whatever brown belt whatever she is but the point is she grapples she's at the grappling center at camps um and uh you know I think they're, they're laying a number out there that's like what what is it like plus 2600 or so we're seeing up on that like I'll put 
20 bucks or maybe not even 20 15 or 10 bucks I don't want to see again at those odds just to get a couple a uh, couple units back for no sweat off my back so to speak um, because Fyodor is just asking for it I know it's crazy Chukagian can win as well like Sean said in a close decision uh, she's been sitting on her punches more um, so we'll see what the judges like and ultimately what they see more so yeah this is this feels like a dog or pass spot uh, for me it's a, uh, I don't really want much involvement at all but saying that I will take me a crazy shot um, on a big plus number here as it pulls up I'll let you guys go any last thoughts on uh, uh, this this fight before we get to the prelims no, I think we're good. I don't want to think about Antonio Carlos Jr. anymore. I don't know how we got there, but it's just depressing. It is. It is. So All right. My, my stuff's taking forever to load, folks, so apologies. I'll update you on what number I get, and I'll recap at the end. But let's push to the prelims. I didn't do too much study except for one fight, which we'll talk about right meow. That is Sean Brady, minus 140. Bilal <laughs> Muhammad, plus 120. Um, yeah, man. I, uh, I, th this is a fight where I, I like Brady. Um but you know what? I'm picking, and I ended up. It's it's going to be a sweat. You're asking to to you know. I'm going to have more gray hairs coming in by the end of this one because it's going to be a, a a round two fight. It's going to come down to round two. I think. I think Brady wins round one. I think Bilal wins round three. Who wins round two? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Bilal Muhammad to edge it out as the more active fighter, um, with his takedown defense, his wrestling base, and his improved uh, versatile striking approach. You can either pressure or counter. Um, whereas Brady, uh, you know, I, I got to see more. Um, what about you? Do you have any, any strong opinions on this fight? Uh, I'm, I'm actually sold on Sean Brady. I, as much as I, I, I like Bilal Muhammad, and he's the kind of that typical kind of work pale fighter guys, a guy that I think the hardcore fans like. He does everything well. He can grapple. He, there's a joke on, uh, on DraftKings. He's, he's so consistent for the longer – he put up – five or six fights scoring like 83 points the exact like over and over again he scored 83 80, like just which is not a great number it's not a, it's not a terrible one to score right in the middle and it's just that, that's kind of how i see his whole um i think uh frankly i think he's had some good stylistic matchups in his rise like damian maya Stephen Thompson, and you can get on top of them and not get and, and Maya not get submitted, which heavy grapplers typically aren't, you know, heavy wrestlers aren't going to. Fine, you're going to be able to win those fights. Uh, Vicente Luque, if you can take damage, you know, I know he, he lost to um, he lost to Vicente Luque early in his career, but if you don't get knocked out, you can, you know, Bilal can drag people into deep water, which is what he's going to need to do against Sean Brady. But you know we've seen that with um, Luke before. You can you drag him late. You can take damage. The Brian Barberena fight. Like I think he's had actually some good stylistic matchups, which good for him. I, I like Bilal. He's a good fighter. He's well rounded. I think Sean Brady is better wrestler, and that's a problem for Bilal because Bilal there's a whole thing when I was saw him the day. Um, you know, you're pretty decent. You're pretty decent uh, on the feet. I'm better than decent on the feet. No, I'm pretty good. Yeah, and, and the reporter repeated it. I was like, not wrong. You're okay on the feet. Like, I think, I think, I think breaking it down, I think Sean Brady is, I think they're equal on the feet. It's kind of the intangibles we're looking at. With the wrestling, I think I'd give to Brady. And then the intangibles being in the cardio can but I'll drag him to deep waters and kind of, um, drown him that way. I actually think it's going to be a slower-paced fight. Mm -hmm. I think Brady's a fair 
of that, Bilal never fights fast anyway. I don't think Bilal pushed the fast enough pace to make Grady's issue an issue. You know, we've seen in the past an issue here. Um, it, it's it's very similar to me to Sean Brady, Jake Matthews. Um, but I think Brady's going to keep improving and gotten better. I think he's definitely better in the Michael Chiesa fight. I don't think Bilal was in the for Looking at Brady, I think his holes. Funny, just we talked about it last fight. Whereas the prospect holes, submissions. I'm worried at some point Sean Brady's going to get submitted along the way. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Bilal Muhammad is going to do it. So I, I think if he maintains his cardio correctly through three, three rounds, I think Sean Brady can actually sweep the scorecards. Um, and unless Bilal lands some kind of big shot, I think Bilal needs to sit down on his, on his punches more. His path to victory is is getting in a boxing match and landing a big strike somewhere, which is not something we've seen from Bilal, but that would, I think, should be his game plan going into this one. So, official pick for me it is, let me make sure I, I did do it by unanimous decision, I did, Sean Brady via unanimous decision. Yeah, man, fight goes to the decision is probably chalked up, but I, I agree it's going to be a slower paced fight. Um, and I agree with that Sean Brady thing, he's not as like fervent uh, uh, or frantic as, as Oliveira, but he has that kind of... Uh, hard wiring to always grapple for better or worse like Oliveira um, and that could get him into trouble for sure uh, but here's the thing I also think that that you know even though I do worry about Bilal not being a, a strong finisher or pushing the pace that you would want as a Bilal better but I believe that even if he doesn't do that I think Brady will meet him halfway and do it for him because I still do think that Bilal is going to be the better striker uh, both coming forward and off the counter Uh he will also be putting out more numbers, which will run the risk of Brady losing the round, even if it's close and you think he shouldn't. Uh, he's a smart guy, and I think he's going to notice that. His corner is always also pushing for him to get the takedowns as well. They know where he's strong. Um, and I do think that Bilal is the more trained wrestler. He's the more He comes from an actual wrestling base. But I do think that Brady is probably the better MMA wrestler because, again, it's so embedded in his process. He's got certain things that he's hardwired to do that he does really well. So we are going to find that question out, right? My thing is, even if he is the better wrestler, um, by how much and for how long? Uh, And how hard is he going to have to do to prove that, right? Uh, Because this is one of those fights where he's either going to tire himself out if he doesn't get the finish, that he's either going to tire himself out getting takedowns and then Bilal coming back up to his feet. No doubt Bilal's incredible takedown defense rating. Maybe he just tires himself out trying to get the takedowns in general if he's not as good of a wrestler that um, many of us think that Brady is, right? Whether we're picking him or not, we, we agree with that analysis. Uh, so that's my big thing here as far as what we're going to find out. And Bilal Muhammad is an excellent game planner, you know. Uh, it, he, you're not wrong as far as the matchups that he got at the time he got those. I could totally see that math making sense. Totally. I'm not disagreeing with it. But we also still got to give credit where credit's due, which is the fact that Bilal beautifully game planned and executed it. Doing one thing is hard enough to ask or expect of a fighter in MMA, as crazy as that sounds. So when a guy can do both, he's not going to get a lot of credit for it. It's not the sexiest thing. He's not out there producing highlight reels. But it's a really good skill. And I think Brady, as good as he is and as good as he could be, he is not the hardest guy to game plan for. 
And I feel like there's been almost maybe arguable regressions. Now, that camp is kicking butt. We're seeing guys like Jeremiah Wells come from there. But maybe it's Jeremiah Wells hitting him hard in practice. Maybe it's a step up in competition. But his striking looks like not... It looks like it's it's less effective as it's gone on. Now he's facing he's facing better competition, and you've got weird style matchups like tall, rangy southpaw Kiesa in there, right? Who's not a noted striker, granted, but again, you got different looks. I get it, I get it. I'm not trying to condemn the guy here, but that is something to look at because it you know it's something that I would want to see. If anything, progression, not stagnation or even arguable regression he also came into the ufc with his cardio touted and we didn't see that in fact that was a reason why that i kind of took a shot against him uh, against court mcgee who boy you looking back at mcgee this was before he uh, upgraded whatever he upgraded in his strength and conditioning it's like mcgee could you have made those upgrades back then that was within reach that was closer than many of us thought um and we've seen him kind of tire down there and if you go look at the, the stats because um, I wanted to, like Dillashaw, I wanted to see not just the times he was taken down, which was uh, just kind of a, a, a cheeky Uchimata in round three when he was already tiring against Kiesa, but you got to go back early in his career against McGee and even that one against Nardiev, which I didn't even see it. I watched that round two twice. I didn't see a take. I don't know what they're counting as a takedown attempt there. The point is, people haven't really tried to take this guy down that much, so we, we don't know. That's the thing. So it's hard for, to, for anyone to be confident either way, so I'm definitely not telling anybody to follow me off my cliff. But Bilal, to me, is the more proven guy. I'm going to get him at plus money. He opened as the favorite. I don't think he should have opened that high. Props to you if you took Brady at plus money, okay? That being said, I feel like I don't even need to make this argument when you've got a favorite who opened as a favorite as a dog and you think he should be the favorite. Well, then go and bet him. I threw a unit on it myself, so that's all I'll say on that. All right, pushing on pushing on here. Uh Real quick, Mark Fellows, my guy Mark. I want to shout the chat real quick. Hi, Dan. Long time, first time. <laughs> yeah, right. As an active fighter these days, are you permitted to gamble? Come on. Uh, we know that's yeah. meant, that's meant for UFC fighters. That does suck, though, man. Um, that's so funny. That, that that was funny. That is funny. That is funny. No, uh, no. Uh, thankfully, I'm I'm still permitted to. I wonder if they would crack down on that though. For like, you know, it, it is interesting because you know, again, professionalism, right? Like. Uh, I, I feel for the fighters and it sucks, uh, but you know, so I'm definitely I'm not going to get sidetracked with that conversation. Uh, but I will say, you know, as far as media and whatnot, it does feel kind of weird. Like you see a bunch of journalists who cover the sport, like doing betting stuff now, right? Now for me, I'm an independent contractor like the fighters. I'm an analyst. I'm not a journalist. I'm not traditional media folks. So uh, this is my job. This is what I do. Gambling is what I do, and I actually, you know. So, anyways, I'm. Uh, I get it. It's kind of a tricky thing, and uh, I hope they don't come for me, man. I hope they don't come for my weapons. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that that that, that, some trouble. that was that was some yeah that was yeah that, that was crap. I, you know, at least they're letting them still do their betting sponsorships, I guess, for what that's worth. Um, all right, uh, I'll get I'll get back to the chat in a second. Let's push through the rest of this here. We're almost to the finish line. Thank you for being with me. Follow my guy at sniper underscore MMA. You can follow me at Dan Tom MMA. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. We got Kyle Bohio. Minus 205, Mahmoud, who, uh, is, is it me or did he do some Dakota Cochran side gigs there for those who know that uh, joke? Uh, Mahmoud Muradov, plus 175 there. Any opinions on this fight? Um, I, I, I'm picking the favorite, but I'm not inclined to get involved with this fight. That's all I'll say. Uh, any, any opinions I, here, I, Sean? Yeah, I also like uh, Kyle, Kyle Bahio. Um Muradoff's good. I just it's it's one of those. I, I just think Kyle Bahio is better, explosive, um, 
much more explosive. I, I think he's going to actually get a finish here. I actually think the line would be a little bit wider if he obviously didn't get um, um, sorry. Muradov last time out got finished against Mearshart. I actually think the fight should be a little bit closer. I flipped in my head. If we just didn't see that, um, I think the line is too wide, but I'm not inclined to pick Muradov. I still want Kyle Bahio. It's weird with a loss against Gerald Mearshart. Gerald Mearshart's legit. It wasn't that big of a deal to me. Um, yeah, give me Kyle, who's got a weird... The question is, like, Kyle's grappling, can he use his grappling to win a fight? I think he can. You know, he had his two UFC fights, though, are um, uh, Gadzi Omar Kazayev, whose name he had to say again, which is awful, um, and uh, who is fighting down a division, should be, because Kyle was giant in that fight, and Armin Petrosian, who's a striker. Like, Murdoch is more well-rounded, and I think Kyle is still going to be strong enough and a bit enough proper to get it down there, but definitely his biggest test so far. I wanted to bet Kyle, and then I looked at the line and went, eh, no thanks, pass. So that's where I am on this fight. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, I haven't uh, researched it myself, so I'm going to hold back any hard takes, but uh, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. I'll be picking Bohio. Um, but uh, again, just to make sure, always go to uh, my Twitter, at DanTomMMA on Fight Day. I always post all my picks and plays there and you know hopefully they're not too bad uh we've been we've been doing okay all right uh next fight we got nikita krylov minus 175 vulcan ooze demir plus 150 did they get the line right uh do you have any strong opinions on this one sean no line's not right ozdemir i think is one of the dogs that will be barking on this card he's one of my dog plays he is i i think I think his dog, a bunch of people are on, which is a little concerning. You know, Vegas wasn't built by all his people being right. right. But I, I, I don't think that Nikita Krylov is going to finish him on the feet. I think Krylov, I think, you know, Krylov has knockout power, but he doesn't have Yuri Prohaska knockout power. Um, I think that, you know, we saw an evolution in Vulcan last time out. I know it was Paul Craig rolling for legs, but that actually showed me. I, I, I liked. Vulcan had gotten emotional in some fights. I didn't like his demeanor in, that, in some fights. I know he's the whole no time and the, you know, outside of fights, he kind of got that very stoic kind of demeanor. I felt like in fights he would get frustrated, and I liked his Paul Craig. He just did, did what he had to do, took the decision when knew where he was better, and kind of fought within himself. And I think against Krylov, another kind of aging fighter, um, yeah, he looked great last time against Alexander Gustafsson. Alexander Gustafsson, is, you know, the, I'm sorry, the ghost of Alexander Gustafsson. All these guys in this weight class are getting older. You just saw it. When I think of um, Nikita Krylov, one of the first fights that, that, that comes to mind is is um, Misha Serkinov. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they're kind of from the same era. Like, it's, it's, it's time is undefeated, guys. And it's just, it's a factor you have to look at here. I probably would have leaned towards Ozdemir anyway because... I think he's just more technical, and Nikita Krylov's a knockout puncher. I'm going to go with the technical guy in this fight. I won't, I won't, I won't spend 10 minutes on this one, but I just, I think Ozdemir's going to have his way in the feet. I'm not expecting the finish. I have Ozdemir via decision. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think he's live in the sense that this is a volatile fight. 
Um, the line kind of surprised me in a sense because I don't necessarily think too highly of Krylov either. But he is admittedly the person I am leaning, even though I was wrong with the uh, Paul Craig flyer there for him to get it done. And Ozdemir did win, rightfully so. He still had some moments where it was like if, if Paul Craig didn't make bigger brain fart moments, so to speak, and I love Paul Craig, I mean that with all respect, but if he didn't make the bigger questionable head scratchers, um, you know, it would have been more obvious. But yeah, if you're if you're being critical, there were some there were some decisions there that I still didn't like from Uzdemir. So I have a hard time trusting him. I don't blame people taking a shot. It feels like a fight where there's a live dog. Uh, again, peep my at uh, Dan Tom MMA on Twitter to see where I end up on that one. No hard take here. Um, real quick before we push on to the rest, I just want to uh, get a general question uh, and a touch up on the. Last one, uh, Rain Laminat Jack Slack said that Gamrot has good straight punches and boxes into the clinch well, and is good at initiating and dictating uh, exchanges. Uh, Jack Slack's the man, man. So if he said it, uh, I'm sure that's not too far off from truth. I wish I could comment on that more. We also got a general question from Rio Sozen Trusdale. General question, Dan: Are past performances of a promise of future for fighters? What if they make adjustments in camp? Must we fact in there? Uh, and to say, to parlay with that, he says a question about past performances indicator. Uh, Bilal versus Luke A2, is not a good example of a fighter making adjustments? It is, it is, yeah. You always got to leave uh, the door open for a fighter potentially doing that. And, you know, maybe Uzdemir or Krylov surprises us with something with the matchup we're talking about now. Um, but I don't, I, neither, I, despite where you guys see my pick, believe me. I can almost guarantee you now that I won't be too confident in either one of them for that reason. But we do have to leave the door open. It could happen, right? Any thoughts on that? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's fighter progression and rematches. I have, I've gone on spiels on other podcasts in the past. It are two different things to me. Fighter progression mm-hmm. you have to figure out and regression. Are they old? What skills they're learning? What camp are they at? Et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, that's a whole different. You kind of covered it well, and I won't go further into that. It, it's, it's kind of extrapolation and a little bit of guesswork in terms of handicapping it becomes kind of like the science you, you predict matches though you spent Luke A2 Bahama 2 rematch I love exploiting rematches in, in terms of the books it is my favorite thing to do I'll, I'll rattle off a couple because rematches MMA is so volatile people get locked in a certain thing and it's a volatile sport to begin with and the the, the recent reaction is is you know and, and you call it correction but it's 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 just, you know, the nature of rematches. Sterling Young. Sterling doesn't blow his low. Looks much better. Um, Oliveira, Tim Means, in which Tim Means was, I think, there was no contest or disqualified in the first fight, and they rematched. Everybody was all over Tim Means. I'm like, did you watch the first fight? Oliveira beat the crap out of him in the first round. Right. I'll take out, and Oliveira was a big dog. Right. It's, it's, it's one of those, and then and Luke Muhammad just mentioned, well, it's a knockout shot. If he doesn't get knocked out, is he going to grind it? Like, people... Just because it happened once doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Right. Especially in this volatile has game we are. Yes. Yes, well said. And you know what? Speaking of volatility, and as Dan Hamilton in the chat said, fighters that'll make you clench your butt cheeks betting on. I think this is another fight where the dog is live because it's another volatile fight. You got Zubaira Tuhugov. Minus 165 versus Lucas Almeida, plus 140. I also believe this is a fight where the line flips, so you really don't have to justify much if you want to take a shot on the now dog, Almeida. Uh, I don't have a pick for this fight. Again, peep at Dan Tom MMA later for what, what, what I end up on. Do you have any strong takes on this one, Sean? 
I do, and I'll get I'll get less strong as we go on. But this one is stylist. Almeida is a crazy person. Yep. Let's just he's gonna go. He's that he's that Brazilian go forward. Tukagov is a guy with crazy power who typically in the past has had trouble pulling the trigger. But when you fight a guy with a, a guy with Almeida, it's gonna you know that counter style he wants to play is gonna play. I think if Almeida comes out like he normally does, Tukagov knocks him out. Like that's I I I think that's. Probably the most likely outcome, I think, is is Tukagov via knockout. I will say that, you know, because Almeida is a crazy person, he's going to come in with a lot of volume, he could absolutely clip Almeida. This is a clip Tukagov. I just, stylistically, I like for Tukagov that Almeida is going to bring the fight and make him, you know, his volume went up a little bit last fight, but his volume is going to be forced to go up in this fight. So I like Tukagov. I think the line is. This is about where I would line it now. And I got to go closer to pick him, minus 125, 130, I think is where I grabbed it. Not for a huge amount, though, because it's a high volatile, it's a really volatile thing. Sure. I, I, lean, I, lean, I lean toward Tukagov, but I can't give any too crazy thoughts on that. Rio says in Truesdale, thoughts on John Attic's sweaty armpits at the faceoffs today. Listen, I am a sweaty bastard. I am the last person to talk. I am that sweaty guy, so I, I cannot talk crap. Especially about Anik. Come on, come on. You know, I was supposed to go on Anik's podcast right before they kind of changed the format and stop having cappers and all that. And Aww. I wish I could have given him that. I wish I, I wish I could have given him that advice face to face. Dark shirts. I hope they get you on, man. I'll, I'll, I would advocate for for you to be on that show. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, yeah, they did they did change format, I believe. But trust my guy, uh, Big Gun Brian Petrie, by the way. He's he, he's been. He's uh he's been killing it there. Um, we got uh, Abubakar and Magomedov versus uh, minus one sixty five versus Gadzi Omar Gadziev uh, plus one forty. Um, all admission, I didn't research this fight yet, but I probably won't be getting involved. But I'd probably be picking Abubakar Nurmagomedov. Of course, uh, I cashed uh, fading Gadzi Omar Gadziev. You know, it's real easy to get get. Uh, don't get me wrong. If you're gonna play throw darts at Russians, you're gonna win more times than not. But like I always tell people, don't get too excited when you got the OVs or any of these names. You know, uh, they sound Russian and they're not like the Amadovskis or if they're like uh, you know Gamzatov, who really is Shamzatov, right? Right? Am I right? Uh, or Gazimurad Antikulov, who who has like the Russian Jordan right? He's got like a one round burst and he's done. So you got to be able to spot. The, the the fraudulent Russians and no offense but I get that vibe from Gajiom or Gajiev. Any 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 vibes uh, or reads on this fight? On that Abu Bab Abu Bab is a you know build a stereotypical you know how uh, you made the joke at the video game character you know, the, the like the video game a base default character you know look looks wise if you could build like all the medium Russian fighter characteristics. That's Abu uh, Babkar. Yes, yeah, he's yeah. Fine. He's yes. just, he's he's the boilerplate UFC Russian fighter, and I think that's going to be enough against Omar Gaziev, whose let's name I don't want to say anymore. Help me out, bro. Uh, which 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 name for Abu Babkar's? Gazi Abu Oh, Omar Gaziev. Omar Gaziev. Yeah, Gazi Omar Gaziev. I know it's tough. It's a tough one. But I'd rather Russian names than Portuguese names. They make me I I can't do it. It's it's bad. It's okay, man. They're not they, they ain't easy. That's for sure. They ain't easy. Uh, but yeah, no, no, I I, I agree with you. That is funny. He is Abubakar is has a lot of the uh, stereotypical uh, 
uh, descriptors, if you will. Um, all right, we're going to push forward. Uh, this fight is another fight where I feel like there's a live dog here. Uh, I don't know how popular of a dog he is, but you got A.J. Dobson as your underdog, plus 175. Armin Petrosian, minus 205. Uh, I haven't looked into this fight too too closely, although I listened to an interview with A.J. Dobson, and I like this kid a lot. Uh, I'll be happy if he wins. I don't know if I'm going to pick him because I'm leaning toward Petrosian to win uh, the favorite, which is but no crazy takes or involvement here as of yet. Anything for you, Sean? My crazy, I have the crazy sprinkle on this one. AJ Dobson, round one KO. Um, I just, I, I like AJ Dobson. I like the way they bring them around. I get why he's a dog. It makes sense. Petrosian is a more, um, more seasoned striker. I just, I think if they, I think Dobson's gonna make this a brawl, and I, I just like him in that, in that scenario. So it's odd that a justifiable dog, but one where if he wins, his ceiling is huge. I think he can get a, 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 a quick finish. I like him in DraftKings on tournaments for those reasons. Tournaments are those large contests we see 100k up top. Um, you want finishes, quick finishes you can get, especially down down mm -hmm. price. Seven, sure. Seven 1k on undrafted. If he wins, he's gonna put up a big old number. So um, I, I like my spread going AJ And Petrosian has been stopped in the first round. I'll beat on the regional scenes. It can happen, right? Uh, my guy goes Phantom. Yep. Dan, we both know what good striking looks like. Why are people pretending that Manon Fioro has good striking? My guy goes Phantom shouting over here uh, that she's overrated. And I get that kind of a sense, too. Again, I got to go back and refresh, but those are the vibes that I got uh, in, in case. I disagree. Yeah, I like you think her. so? I like the athleticism. I like, I like the aggression. Do I think there's room for improvement? Sure. But I just... And some of some about her, man. Maybe it's Cyril gone. Maybe the whole Frenchman, Frenchwoman thing has got me all tripping. I just think I, the French are the wave of the future. I gotta rewatch it because you know me. I'm a defender of that karate hut touch striking, right? You know what I'm saying. Uh, so I'm definitely not a hater. I gotta rewatch, but there, there are some uh, empty. You know, it looks good. Um, we gotta see it proven. We gotta see it. Uh, but yeah. Um, I'm real curious to see where I end up on, too. I mean, well, you guys already know where my bet's at. It's, it's going to be on uh, Chukagian, as that number probably is is still trying to, to load for me. Uh, but all right, back on track here, back on track. I don't blame anybody, by the way, going for Dobson. See where I where I end up where, where I end up there. Maybe you take a flyer round one, Dobson, right? Uh, regardless of who you pick, because um, that's a very, very uh, possible outcome here, folks. We've got, um, speaking of possible outcomes, Mohamed Mokayev, minus 1150. Uh, Malcolm Gordon, plus 750. Uh, obviously, I don't disagree with who the favorite is. These lines are obviously crazy in a volatile sport of MMA. But even with the crazy line, even with liking a guy like Malcolm Gordon, I'll be happy if he wins. I won't be taking a shot or picking him. I'll be picking Mokayev here. How about yourself, Sean? Yeah, well, kind of by however he wants. Um, I will say Malcolm Gordon looked good last time out. I was happy for him. He's, he's the type of guy. What really worries me about him is he doesn't he doesn't look like he likes to get hit. Mm -hmm. His first two fights, he would get hit and immediately it looked like he didn't want to be there anymore. He went, oh, that's I'm I'm for him. I'm glad he turned it around last fight. Me too. This is just this is a bad Matt Mokayev is a real prospect, and we have to see. How the UFC chooses to bring him along, how he gets brought along, but he's he's for real. Been been impressed with him. Yep, I don't disagree with that. Um, lastly, but not leastly, we got Carol Hosa minus three twenty five versus Lena Landsbergen uh, plus two seventy. Sorry, I gotta say her name with the fucked up way. Uh, yeah, I, I, I no let down spot keeping me away from Hosa here. I don't blame anybody for using this as a. Uh, 
as a parlay piece. I don't know. I don't think you can get plus money. You probably get close to even money if you parlay Rosa and Jan. I'm not saying to do it. I'm not saying I will. I've been staying away from parlays and have been better off for it when I do and been getting burned the few times I haven't. So I'm not excited about parlay talk, but I try to mention it because I know a lot of parlay players watch the show, whether from a betting perspective, a fantasy perspective. Uh, what's your thoughts on this fight, Sean? I can't believe you just said that because I actually have Rosa and Jan. Remember earlier I said I was going to put Jan in the oh, Okay, there we go. No, no, no. I'm, I'm wishing you. That's the smart play. It's the smart play. I'm just, I'm so superstitious on parlays. I'm scared of them. I'm scared. It's the smart one. I'm, I'm scared. That you loaded. I was like, yeah, I remember earlier I mentioned Jan in the parlay. Oh, the second half is Rosa. Rosa is one of those. If she's better somewhere, she's going to. It's, it's, it's weird. I think all of her fights have played out the way I expect them to. Procopio got a little bit closer than I thought. But, you know, she did whatever she wanted to. Um, Vanessa Mello, she could take the, take down Jocelyn Edwards, outstruck Batch Kohei. She can path of least resistance. She's a fighter who's able to take it. Sarah McMahon is a better grappler and didn't get submitted in round two. Well, you're going to lose that fight, Sarah. Sarah McMahon didn't give you her neck. Sorry. It's just, and somehow you lost that lot of Everybody seems to win. Um, in this fight, Langford, she's a fine striker, but I... I think it'd be a close fight. I don't see how Carol Rosa doesn't go. I'm gonna take you down and do whatever I want to you. That's kind of how I, I, I see this fight. You know, Viana from this guy is taking you down five times. Carol Rosa is gonna take you down a few. And, and I think I just I believe in Carol Rosa because she's shown she's willing to pass at least resistance. That's clearly a phrase that was in my notes, and I'll say it twice. I like Carol Rosa. Yeah, minus 140, Dan Hamilton posted in the chat. Anything around that, by the way, under anything under minus 150, I don't hate that as a play straight up. You know what I'm saying? Kind of layer your profits or, you know, um, hedge out potentially in that's case. Crazy. That's crazy. Be a decision or straight up? You just said Rosa decision minus 140. I didn't have time to check his oh, work. Okay, yeah. I think straight up she's like minus two. 20-ish? No, I'm just saying bet the uh, decision prop straight up in case you've got her in a parlay. That way you either, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 2x your profits there or let's say you parlayed her to something that unfortunately fails later in the night, whatever you decide doing, folks. Um, at least you can take away, you know, a little more secure leg. That's what I like to do with parlays anyways. Um, if I have parlay pieces, I, I, I like dual ones where it's like, especially if you know they're going to win by a certain way, um, I might load up on that to try to cover the exposure to the parlay or as a potential bonus if that makes sense what i'm saying yep um and this is Again. this is one of those this is one of those th uh, places where i think you could get away with uh get away with doing that whereas the yan one i think he's a sturdy parlay leg but trying to pick a method gets a little tricky right uh with yan uh, which yeah. round is a decision is it inside which round you know then you get a little you can get into the weeds and get dangerous despite being on the right side there so very interesting. I'm going to do a little bit of cleanup on the chat. I know it was a bit of a long show, but due to uh, some injuries like my shoulder, like someone asked about, and some other things that I don't want to give away because um, in case anybody I'm fighting is, is listening to this. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll say this, folks. Uh, wish your boy well here. Uh, again, I'm doing fine. I don't need uh, any any charity or anything like that. Um, I'm very grateful for my lot in life. What I, what I mean is that uh, – I'm I'm going with a touch and go injury, right? We all deal with a bunch of injuries. All these fighters do who are competing, uh, and I'm definitely feeling that share. Um, but uh, I sustained something this week that may or may not we're going to be touch and go, may or may not um, 
make the decision for my hard-headed ass. And it wasn't that uh, cut that I was showing off. Which, by the way, uh, I can attest, getting blood in your eye and bleeding in your eyeball, it burns. It sucks. So, no, I'm not talking about that. That's healing actually pretty fast here, even though I still look kind of uh, lazy-eyed a bit. Um, but, but yeah, uh, someone asked if I was allergic to Kimuras. Uh Yeah, I will tap very fast on those, folks. Um, as far as that goes, uh, to clarify... Second, second somebody threw their legs up, I was like, I'm done. Don't, yeah, my, no yeah, my shoulder sucks, man. And it sucks for, for wrestling. You really need those to wrestle, you know? Uh, Ghost Phantom, yeah. to clarify about Menon from my film study, all she does is open stance matchup is the lead leg sidekick from the inside angle and right hook from the outside angle and spams those two. She definitely does spam those a lot. Um, uh, man, I wish I could give you some more some more of my thoughts here. I just I don't have strong... Uh, any two ways, and, and these are two strikers who get a lot of criticism, Chukagian or Fioro, and I usually find myself defending them, but uh, I, I, you know me, uh, I want to make sure I, I come correct with my information. He adds that um, she doesn't parlay the foundation of those weapons, she just repeats the same exchange. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if she's made any growth. Again, um, you know, she may not be super young, but she is younger in her MMA career, so we got to see uh, about any of those. And yeah, it's, it's definitely no disrespect, fan, uh, Ghost Phantom. It's just what you see on film, and I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely, sir. Thank you. Um, to some of yours, I was kind of jumping around the chat here. Um, I did want to shout to uh, one question, my guy, game James Kendrick. Um, he, he asked about body work earlier on why me and Jack Slack and others are so big on it. It's, we love it. It's, it's really, it's an unsung hero. Um, a lot of fighters will tell you that too, that they will they would rather give their head when they get hit to the liver for a reason because it just makes you miserable. He also says, why is Esparza so afraid to fight Wei Li on this card? Seems like a fair venue, even though it is not a fair fight considering Wei Li's advantages. Uh, again, I'd always be careful using the word afraid with fighters. Um, that being said, I, I you know what? Um, I know it's not the same as far as like it's not Whaley's second home like it is Islam's, you know? So I'm very, I'm much more sympathetic to Oliveira not wanting this fight and we should all be giving much more props to Oliveira taking it in enemy, enemy territory. But I think it was more Carla's wedding, the quick turnaround, the fact that the challenger is calling the shot. And yeah, you know, it's not a, it's a tough matchup. I think Carla obviously knows that folks. And you know what? I don't, are you really going to blame her for being like, listen, this is not favoring me. I know what everybody's thinking. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this on my time. I think it was more just that attitude. And you know what? Good for her. Uh, so I'm definitely not hating on Carla. Uh, the goat, uh, who dominated Rose, never in doubt. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Married, she's not holding up a division. Like there's people, there's people. People are giant fans of you know all do all kinds of crazy decks stuck in like you were demonstrating earlier for whatever reason. I didn't know what show I was on. <laughs> yeah. But there are people who hold up a division way longer, and people are yelling for fans for. Carla's taking a fight six months after she won a title. That's totally reasonable. Totally reasonable. The fight she won in May. She's getting a fight in November. But I don't know where all this, this Carla hate came from just because she beat Rose decisively. Yep, yep, absolutely. You know, you're right, man. Yeah, people people forget those things. I appreciate the love from the chat. Dan Hamilton says he's had two rotator cuff repairs. Oh, brother, that's not fun. They're, they, they are definitely uh, not fun to, to go through. At this point, I just want to stay healthy and not lose this momentum. It's tough because I got offered a fight at possibly maybe up a weight, and I don't want to go up a weight. I'm 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 on my way down. This is the weight I sh this is the weight I should be at, folks. This is where I should be finally. 
Um, I don't want to lose momentum. You know, kind of like what Sniper was saying, Sean was saying earlier with his jujitsu journey. Like, as you get older, especially when you have like real responsibilities, like family and stuff. Like, which is a real thing. I don't have kids of my own, but I do have family members that I help take care of. So I very much sentiment with what you said there, Sean. And and it's something that I think we all need to uh, realize. To be healthy, be grateful for our own health, and not take for granted. I know we're betting, and we talk our we talk our smack here. Me and Sean, we're breaking down these fights for you guys. But at the end of the day, we're very appreciative of all these fighters give. So thank you guys for keeping that energy. The Alvin Yakatoris of the world. Uh, everybody else in the chat, we're running long here. Uh, even though I can't spar tonight, so I'm not running late. I'm just trying to be conscientious to your time and my guest's time. So I want to thank you guys all, and I want to throw it back to my guest, Sean, as I thank you, sir, for joining me and getting you onto this show here. Um, is there anything you want to add for any of these fights, any plays, anything you want to recap, anything you want to plug, sir? Floor is yours. Well, I mean, I guess I'll start. I'll start with the plug, and I, I got I got a couple extra thoughts I'll throw at the end. I got nothing else. I thought you were on a, a time crunch. I didn't realize until halfway through the episode we talked before. I thought you were gonna have to jump on me, but I'm glad we were able to no, talk fights. Um, a lot of the stuff I'm doing, um, pretty much, I'm, I'm gonna start ramping up my YouTube channel a little bit more. Um, I think the YouTube channel is Sniper MMA underscore. Some weird stuff was taken, but follow me on Twitter. The links there, Sniper underscore MMA. I'm trying to do. Um, so I do a weekly fantasy fight breakdown. I'm going to start doing uh, some stuff with Vertical on a weekly basis. And actually just those guys I mentioned in the beginning, um, RBQs and Magic Mike, we're starting a podcast on Sundays where we just kind of talk about not just these breakdown shows. We're going to just talk MMA. The guys are going to talk MMA. We're going to talk at night probably. You know, we'll probably have football games on the side. But we're going to uh, do that. We're, still, we're starting a new podcast this week. We're going to call it The Shadow Round. That's going to start... Sunday night. I'll be on my uh, YouTube channel, so if you guys can check that out, that's what I'm excited about right now. So appreciate all that. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, this is always, you know, I do the same thing you do, where I kind of I try not to listen to too many other people's stuff because I don't want to, I don't want to cloud my own judgment. But this is in my short list of stuff. I, I listen after I'm done. Oh man, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. And I'm like, okay, where where can I be rethinking, making last, last second tweets? Um, we met up once at the UFC moment. We did? Just to talk more and actually kind of probably pick your brain more in general how to get more involved in this MMA space. But that's probably not a conversation. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hit me up anytime, man. Hit me up anytime, brother. Um, for this card, get, get back on track. Some other plays thinking about. There's a lot of juice on it. I've seen uh, Muhammad Makayev via round one finish is like minus 250. Is it, even though it's crazy, I think it's a, par, a viable parlay piece. Sure, um, sure. I'm really interested in um, uh, the Peter Yan, Peter Yan bet we talked about, and there's one more I wanted to bring up. Oh God, I gotta find it. Oh, I, we see the past Abu Bab, Abu Bab Carter with the made off a little bit. I'm watching his line. I've actually hmm. last time I saw there's some movement on the Gaji side. Ooh. Abu Bab to a bettable number. Is yeah. To a bettable number. Like minus one fifty or lower. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, that, that's one of the ones I have yep. alerts for. So yeah, I don't blame you. Look at you, alerts and everything. My my man's a my man's a pro over here. I love those tidbits. I don't disagree with that at all. As as uh. As per usual, or you don't know any more plays you want to read off? Please go ahead. No, Sorry. That's it. That's kind of. Oh, and and you know, any any DraftKings fan, you know, adv advice. Typically, 
you know, I mentioned MMA Play 365 in the beginning. I, I, I try to be a little bit tight-lipped in terms of people sliding into my DMs because otherwise, why do I have a service? But this week, mention you saw me on Protect Your Neck. Any, any questions you got, DraftKings, FanDuel, any of that stuff, hit me up. We'll get you squared away. I want to get more people involved in that space. So that's it. That, that's what I got this week. Awesome. Uh, the only shot I, shot I forgot at the top of the show, and I actually forgot the drink because, like, a, not just because it, it, it helps to shout, but like it's amazing drinks, and I, I could use it right now. Uh, for the injuries, and that, of course, is my man D Loves Turmeric Tonic. You can follow him, D Loves underscore Turmeric underscore Tonic. And if you want to order some of the Turmeric Tonic, that's amazing. It's just like turmeric, ginger, and lemon, but he literally gets the blend perfect, and I've never had a, a blend this simple and perfect. It's the Turmeric Tonic dot com and i may have an exclusive savings uh price for you um it's gonna be protect 15 when we get it going so yes baby i appreciate it i i i love supporting small businesses i love the listeners uh supporting me and but i also love being able to give that support right back too so i appreciate that um if you want to support my guy d love again you could find him there i know last week i told you guys to follow my guy asson underscore striking of course, that's my uh, that's my guy, uh, my striking coach there. Um, I want to want you guys to to, to follow uh, Gil Gardado uh, MMA, I believe. Uh, just type in Gil Gardado G U A R D A D O and uh, on Twitter or Instagram there and follow his accounts. He posts excellent strength and conditioning stuff. That's my strength and conditioning coach. So I really want to pay that love forward. But if you want to pay the love forward to me, this is a free show that is, of course, hosted by my website, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, where you can find on it an Amazon click-throughs. I'll probably do an Amazon uh, uh, read of the click-throughs for the recap show. I'm going to be doing a recap. Um, my girl got us tickets to a music festival. It's like when we were young, it's all like the mid pop punk afi and stuff so i'm going to be reliving my youth so i'm actually happy it's a daytime show i think i can knock out this card before the bands i want to see start but needless to say i will be out and about hopefully as much as my injuries will allow me to and which means i won't be doing a recap until sunday uh and that'll be of course on the youtube channel so audio listeners again daniel tom mma like and subscribe this video if you're watching now or in the future future and haven't already and of course five-star ratings and reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts is appreciated. You could follow the Protect Your Neck Podcast on all social platforms at the PYN Podcast. Follow, subscribe. I promise I don't put out that much, so I can't pollute your feeds even if I wanted to and I don't want to, believe me. But these are ways you can support. Of course, on MixedMarshallAnalyst.com or at DanTomMMA where you can see and follow me here on the screen. I got my link tree, which has a secure PayPal link that is also at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. If you want to make a straight up donation to the show, sorry for the long-winded recap, but now what you guys are waiting for, and some of you fast forward through, which you're not giving me the watch hours on YouTube, and I'm really close to monetizing, so appreciate the watch hours, but I will recap here. So uh, this is my picks, by the way. This is uh, So uh, don't uh, if you hear something that's crazy, attack me. Don't attack Sean. These are my picks. I am taking... <laughs> Uh, Slim Charles, baby. You know, that's right. The wire references are back. It's going to be Slim Charles all day, baby. The game ain't changed. It just got more fierce. Think about the old days is 
data old days. That's right, Slim Charles, baby, taking him over Makhachev. Uh, we'll, we'll see, obviously, Makhachev's a great fighter, and respect to you guys if you are on the opposite side there. I am taking in the co-main event, I'm taking Dillashaw. I know, why? Why am I going against my guy Aljo? Throw fruit at me, if you will. Uh, I'll be rooting for Aljo and, and guys like my guy Sean who are picking him or if you're playing him, good for you. But I actually ended up uh, kicking for coverage uh, with Dillashaw. But yeah, taking Dillashaw, taking uh, Jan over, Oma over O'Malley, or as I should say, Ziggy, uh, speaking of the wire, right? Because uh, Zig, Zig, who was uh, in the remake of It, I didn't realize, by the way. But yeah, the actor who plays uh, Ziggy Sabatka looks just like Sean O'Malley. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if, uh, you know, uh, Malaka Malaka, we'll see if the Russian guy who actually kind of looks like Peter Jan from The Wire, he actually wanted to kick uh, the guy who looks like O'Malley's ass. But now we get to see the real-life version on pay-per-view, baby. I'm going to take Jan. Uh, taking, well, I don't know who I'm going to take in Darius or Gamrot. So uh, reserve the right. Apologize. Uh, leaning toward Fiodo as the favorite, but I'm, I'm probably playing Chuk by sub regardless of what I pick. Again, you got to check me on fight day for that pick. Uh Taking Muhammad over Brady. Love Brady. Uh, just taking my shot on Muhammad. No disrespect. Um, taking Bohio over Mahmoud, baby. Dakota Cochran, second coming, possibly. I don't know. Someone want to fill me in on that gossip? No pictures, please. No pictures. But taking Bohio over Muradov. Um, I'm leaning Krylov over Uzdemir. We'll see where I end up there. He's a live dog. So is Almeida as a live dog. But I am leaning to Hugov as of right now. Uh, more than likely taking Nurmaga Madoff. It's more that if he gets down to bettable favorite territory, then I may have to debate on whether adding that money line or a prop play for around the same price of Hosa by decision will get there. Um, so far, I'm leaning Petrosian over Dobson, but that may change, folks. And even if I pick Petrosian, ain't no way I'm playing him. This is a dog or pass territory there, in my opinion. Taking Mikhaev over Gordon. And again, yes, taking Rosa over Lena Linesbergen um, plays. I ended up taking Dubronx. Unfortunately, I didn't get him at the disrespectful odds way out in advance when people were having uh, Islam over 3-1 to one favorite. But I got uh, Dubronx at 2.5. I wanted to lay three units, but I, I didn't want to get too crazy with exposure. I can always go back and add more if the price gets better, which I want to leave the door open for. But yeah, 2.5 units on Dubronx, money line kick for coverage. Plus 168. I did put a unit on Dubronx submission. Uh, plus 300. I got one unit on Dillashaw at the plus 155, plus 150 neighborhood for one unit. I did sprinkle. That's right. Load the clip. .17 unit shots. Dillashaw rounds four and five. 2,500 to 3,000, except for in one house where I did the method rounds four and five by KO for 3,000 to. 3,500. Again, small sprinkles for a big return. Uh, all dog. Dog city, baby. We'll see. That's another reason why I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant on pulling the trigger on chalk. Because I also am exposed on Muhammad. One unit money line kicking for coverage. Not playing anything else. Not playing any more exposure. I'm more than exposed for what's going to be a very sweaty fight. Uh, the only other dog I would be looking to target, and again, I would only put a unit and I would only kick for coverage. Rooting for you if you're playing the sub like my guy Sean here because I'm rooting for Darius. Might be Darius. I still have to go look at a couple fights before I make a decision. But those are the dogs I'm targeting. Essentially, um, my knight could be riding or dying on Dubronx, which is fine. It's not often I get a organic uh, analysis thing like that to happen, so I'm going to go for it. And uh, my plan is essentially to... To be able to uh, win enough money before Dubronx happens and is heavily exposed, 
ideally I have a winning night regardless if I eat S in the main event. So that's kind of how I want to have it balanced if that makes sense. And plus money is a good way to get there. So uh, if I'm on anything else, I'll let you know. Wait, let's see one last thing. Caitlin Chukagian uh, by uh, Submission, Submission. Oh, Peter Yan, round three plus 1,000 by KO, or round three plus 900, $20 I didn't want to see again. I did fire on that, folks, live on the show. And uh, Chukagian, if it's plus 2,600, uh, I'm probably going to put a point to 17U or point 20 ducats um, regardless. Uh, and, uh, and 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 that and that is uh, that is it. Wow, yeah, that, that that's all I got. Stay tuned at Dan Tom MMA to see what I got. Follow my guy Sean at Sniper underscore MMA. Uh, thanks, Sean, again, man, for sticking around. I know we ran long. You were amazing. I appreciate you, sir. Uh, I know we're on the opposite of some, but just like my listeners, man, I wish you nothing but the best. There's no reason why we gotta kill each other. Let's play against the bookies and let's all take home some money, exactly. hopefully, huh? Everyone's, everyone's enough money for all of us to, 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 to go around. As long as I take something down in DraftKings, I'm good. Thank you again for having me. I really, really appreciate it. You know, I, I don't have, I'm a fantasy guy. So I'm appreciating you, you bringing me in, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And all you fantasy players, you have another person to follow right here. Good luck on your picks and plays, folks. And always protect your neck.